Bearcat Bounce Podcast back at it again. As always, I am Brent Young. Joined alongside good pals, great buds. You know what, guys? We're getting on a level where I can call you something a little bit more than friends. You guys are my comrades, my my partners in crime. Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel. Aaron, how are we? I mean, we're doing all right. Number two, right? Number two. Not half bad. Not half bad. Chad Brendel, how are we? Being number two better than having to take a number two. Ooh, good play on words there. See what you did. See what you did. But but, but, but wait a minute. I'm good. Wait a minute. What is this? What is this? Don't you know I'm pumping up? You got you pumping up. Don't you know I'm pumping up? You got you pumping up. Don't you know? Oh my gosh! Is that the music? That might be the music. Brady Collins, how are we? Surprise, surprise, gentlemen. I'm doing great. How are you? you? Oh, man. Oh, man. I I haven't been this good since uh, maybe forever, you know? <laughs> I mean, when what was the last time that the University of Cincinnati Bearcat football team was number two in the country? So I think that would uh, that would tell me just about how good I possibly am. About, about explains it right there. Absolutely. It's, it's a great time to be a Bearcat, that's for sure. There's no doubt about that. Well, let's dive right into it, Brady. Let's dive right into it. I know that Luke always tries to shy away from that, that whole, you know, rankings. He, he plays the whole card of, oh, I didn't, no one told me. I might have seen it on the Twitter sphere randomly. But, I mean, what, what does it say? Just number two, having that two next to the University of Cincinnati. I, I know you don't want to talk about it too much because there's so much season left, but to t- take a step back and for a second, just really just revel in the fact that the Cincinnati Bearcats are the number two team in the entire country. I mean, obviously you take, uh, you know, a tremendous amount of pride with uh, all the work that the young men and the coaches and the support staff has done throughout the years. And, um, you know, you know, it's well-earned and, um, you know, you can't control anything from, how the outside world, you know, votes you or talks about you and all that kind of stuff. That's, you know, stuff that we don't really worry about because we can't really control it. But, um, you know, coach does always tell the kids, make sure they do, you know, appreciate and enjoy, you know, the recognition and the success, you know, that is, you know, really starting to kind of amp up here and because, you know, they've earned it. But at the same time, you know, we know what we're focused on. We know what the goal is. And uh, we're just going to keep attacking each and every day and, um, you know, continue on this, uh, on this journey. You know, as, as impressive as these victories are, I think it's even more impressive how dominant the team has looked uh, and, and really in the physicality standpoint. And that, you know, boils down to the type of players that they are and the type of, type of people that the players are on the field. But it also boils down to what you and your strength staff has done in order to, to really bring out the best in each, each one of them. Can you just explain what it's like for you seeing the amount of physicality, the, the in-the-trenches domination that the team has really been able to put together this year? Oh, I mean, yeah, it's definitely, you know, something every single, you know, game day. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not giddy, but, you know, I take tremendous pride in. And, you know, I just love seeing those guys go out there and, you know, play the game they love with all their brothers and, guys they've worked 
you know, countless hours in the off season and just all the preparation and stuff that they put into it. It is, I mean, it's awesome. I mean, we're very blessed. We got unbelievable young men that, you know, are big and strong and fast and, um, you know, what, what they're doing right now, it's just a testament to, to our whole culture. Um, you know, the effort, the toughness, uh, playing together, you know, team success, you know, showcasing individual success. And, um, it is, man, it's, it's been awesome. And, you know, just, just getting through the halfway point of the year and um, just got to keep it rolling. Now, Jerome Ford, the offensive player of the week this week for the conference. Uh, also offensive player of the week last week, might I add. Uh, he was, he was, you, you measured his speed last week. He was at 22.75 this week. He was at 22.51. So did he look a little slower to you this week? <laughs> No, as he said, when he got to about the opposite 30, he started pulling up because he knew he was good. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, any way you cut it, let's face it, 22 miles an hour, that's moving. And, uh, you know, again, it's it's been really cool to, to be able to have the, you know, abilities to track these guys. And, you know, again, just like we did in the offseason, use it to, to promote, you know, highlight them for all their work and, effort that they put in but uh it is some of these numbers i mean they are they're ridiculous and you know again as a coach seeing these guys in the off season and all that stuff i mean it's not like we're too surprised but at the same time we kind of are because they're not running just in shorts and t-shirts they're out there with helmet pads and all that stuff so it's it's been cool now i believe the kids call that speed sheesh (laughs) (laughs) yes that would be correct Brady, I, you know, just piggybacking off of Jerome Ford, you've been around some pretty special running backs in your you know, career as a strength coach and, and, and in college football and in football in general. Where does Jerome's just ability kind of stack up with the Ezekiel Elliott's and the, you know, Michael Warren's and, and Jared Dokes and even more so just, just other running backs that you've been able to be around on the football field? Oh, I mean, absolutely. He's, he's right up there. I mean – I think what's really unique about Jerome is, uh, you know, his football IQ. Um, you know, he's very, very smart. I mean, he does a great job in all the pass protections. Uh, he does a great job when he doesn't even have the ball in his hands, whether he's blocking downfield. Um, you know, again, even last year, he, he played a lot of special teams. And, you know, he's always in Coach Fixier trying to get him to, to get him on more special teams and all that. So he's, he's a football player. He's out there having fun. Uh, he's a great kid. He's so humble. And, uh, you know, he just he just practices his his ass off every day and, uh, you know, always has a smile on his face. And, you know, he's just he's a great teammate. and he's, he's kicking ass and doing a great job. Now, Jerome Ford deferred his award to his offensive line and the offensive line through this entire season has been tremendous, regardless of who you putting out there as your starting five. Bringing that up, though. Lorenz Metz has been a bulldozer out there this year. Is he your most improved player on the team right now? I mean, he's got to be up there for it. Absolutely. Um, you know, again, we saw the the flashes of it kind of starting to happen in the spring, you know, moving him from tackle to inside. And uh, again, Metz has always had, you know, unbelievable strength. Yes, he's a huge human being. 
Um, but his heart, you know, is bigger than his body. He loves this team. He loves his brothers. And you just always knew deep down it's going to click. It's going to click. He's had, you know, ups and downs through his careers. He's played a lot of football. Um, and, you know, to see him now doing so well, it is. I mean, you can't help but be proud. But, you know, like uh, after that long run from Jerome on Saturday, you know, he had that lead block up in there. He comes to the sideline. He's just going crazy. And to see that emotion from him, to see how happy he is for all those guys. I mean, it is. It's awesome. And, uh, you know, can't wait to see Big 5-1 keep dominating out there. Brady, we, we haven't been able to uh, talk to you since after the Notre Dame game. Um, let's, let's go back to that time. What, what was the vibe like in the locker room and, and on that bus ride home and, and just kind of just the, the aura around the team after one of the biggest wins in program history? Well, the five-hour bus ride home was awful, but at the same time, it was <laughs> awesome because we won. Um, hopefully, in the future, we're not taking any five-hour bus rides, but, hey, we'll leave that up to others at B. Um, <laughs> but you know what? You know, we, we did what we were supposed to do. We won the game. Um, it was a fun bus ride home. Guys were excited. Guys, you know, messing around with each other, uh, you know, watching games, just, just having fun, playing music. But that locker room, I mean, one of the best I've ever been a part of as far as celebrations. Was there a box of Lucky Charms? Yes, of <laughs> course there was. Um, someone that we all know might have brought it. I don't know who it could have been. but um, It just, it was, man. Again, I mean, I know I can sound like a broken record a lot of times, but just, you know, the culmination of all the stuff that our guys have done from day one, whether they're, you know, a fifth-year guy or, even a first-year guy. I mean, everybody had a part in that game, whether they were a starter, a backup, a scout team guy. And to go out there and do what we had to do in that type of fashion, you know, leaving points out there and all that stuff, but who cares? We won the game. We're moving on. Um, it was awesome. It was great. Now, the pump-it-up craze is sweeping campus. So it's become the, the kickoff music. Uh, it's it's played, I feel like, at the beginning of the game anyway. We're usually kicking off anyway. Um, where did that even come from to begin with? Where did, where did that song emerge from? And how proud do you feel that it's taken off and seeing the, the student section react the way they do when that song's played now, as it seems every week they have those those air-inflated beaters and what have you. Like, what's, what's going on with this song, Brady? <laughs> so it, it – uh... You know, it started probably last uh, spring in the weight room. You know, again, we always play some some crazy music here and there. Um, you know, we got a lot of techno guys and it just it kind of came on. I was like, you know what? This song's really good. I like it. And, you know, we play it every now and then. Guys really loved it. Ryan Royer was a big component of it, pumping it up for the show and all those things. Shocker. And uh <laughs> You know, mar marketing, you know, they always reach out to me for, you know, playlists and music and all that stuff. And I said, look, one thing you got to do, you got to make the kickoff song pump it up just because our guys feed off it. The sidelines always going crazy. Um, I know the, the students will like it. And, uh, you know, it's really it's taken off and it is cool. And then, you know, even deeper for me, my kids love it. My hey. kids, you know, when we're at home. They go, Alexa, play Pump It Up by Endor. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> man, this is great. And uh, so it is. It's, it's kind of swept through uh, 
the Bearcat uh, faithful, and uh, we're, we're going to keep it going for sure. You guys mosh in the living room when it comes on, you and your kids? <laughs> I'll send you a video. It's actually my son has a football in his hand, and he's kind of just bouncing up and down. And then okay. my daughter's pretty much doing all of her gymnastic stuff, but they love it. They go wow. crazy for it. That's a good idea to have the fans play the song and send in video footage of them listening to the song at home or something as they cheer on the Bearcats. Good idea for a little film there. But, uh, you know, speaking of pumping it up, Brady, the performance of, of a lot of the players right now have kind of been pumping up their draft stock, if you will. And, of course, Sauce Gardner is going to be there at the top. He had a great game, a couple really showing his speed and his his physicality that he's built up in the, in the game against UCF. But talk about what how you felt seeing Kobe Bryant intercept that pass and take it the other way for his first touchdown of his career. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. It was, it was unbelievable. I almost, you know, kind of got a little choked up just because, I mean, I love Kobe Bryant. I love everything about him. Um, I'm so thankful for someone like him to be on this team, to be a part of his life, to be a part of his journey. He makes me a better coach. He makes his program what it is. Uh, he's the heart and soul, and he has been since he stepped foot on campus as a young freshman. And, uh, you know, as soon as it was – this is a true story. So it's on the sideline. I'm standing right next to Coach Iliano, and Coach Iliano's yelling at Kobe. You know, I don't, I don't even remember what it was. It's, you know, DB talk. And he's yelling at him, yelling at him. And I'm right next to him. And Coach Iliano just kind of turns to me. He says, Kobe's going to pick this. And all of a sudden, boom, ball gets thrown. Kobe picks it and he takes off. And I just grab Perry and I'm like squeezing him. I'm like, holy shit, you called that? And he's just, you know, <laughs> Coach, Perry, Coach Perry's going crazy. And um, it was awesome. But, you know, I, just, just again, all the, all the things that Kobe's been through. He was a part of our first year here. He was a part of that. UCF game where it was the other way around and you know the the game was called because of weather and um you know he's been through ups and downs on the field you know off the field but he's always kept his head and his heart and he's such a a passionate leader and a grinder and uh you know when he got that pick six you know I, I knew he was going to celebrate do his dunk all that stuff but I wanted to make sure I went up gave him a hug told him I loved him and how proud I was because I mean I knew that was his first but you know it was, it was, it was awesome. Now is that the tradition? fastest you've ever seen him run? He was flying. Yeah, he was. He was flying. He was 20, 20.5. 20. And, uh, you know, I think he was, um, he was hitting the high twenties in uh, camp and, uh, in the off season. So he's, he was right there on par, but again, like I said earlier with Jerome, you know, that was in shorts and t-shirts and obviously in camp, you're hitting some numbers, but you know, when that adrenaline kicks in and you pick that ball off, you got nothing but, you know, green field in front of you, you're going to go. Now, traditionally, Josh Wiley's not a guy known for getting push on the line as much as he is known for having good hands, being a route runner, and that kind of thing at tight end. And this week we saw him with a punt block. Now, He's are always right there on punt block. I'll correct you there. Wiley is a threat on punt block. Am I wrong, Brady? No, he's been close many times throughout the past three years. My point is, we I would have expected a lineman to get there before Wiley or, you know, it's just somebody getting more push on that line than, than Josh Wiley. So you, clearly you weren't surprised at all that it was Wiley to get the first hands on a, on a kick this year? No, absolutely not. I mean, again, 
Wiley's kind of like the freelance guy a lot of times on pump locks. So, you know, he could line up outside, inside. He could move around, do whatever he needs to do. And, uh, you know, that, that situation just happened. He was on the outside. They didn't even want to try to block him, which a lot of times as a punt unit, you're not going to block the furthest guy off because he's not going to get there. But when you're 6'7", and you have a motor that's through the roof and you want to go as hard as you can every single play, which is what Josh Wiley does, you're going to make a play. And he did. And, uh, you know, again, it was really cool to see that, especially, um, you know, because we know Josh isn't getting all the catches and all those things that we all would love for him to have. But, you know, the the way teams are playing him and the way, you know, the, the game is just kind of evolving and spreading the ball out. Trust me, there's many a ways Josh Wiley can still affect the game for the Bearcats. Well, that includes blocking. I, it, you look at all the runs, the touchdown runs, and the the big run by Jerome as well. And this past week, and, and Josh is right there on that little you know shift where he's in motion, and he picks up one big block and is able to spring a hole. So he's been affecting the game yeah. in more ways than one. Absolutely. Again, you know whether he's lining up to catch a ball or uh, punt, you know punt block, punt return, whatever he's on, he's going to do his best and. He's the ultimate team guy. He's a warrior. And, you know, again, just so proud of him and, you know, can't help but want more for him. But you know what? He's loving, loving what he's doing and loving winning. Yeah, I want to talk about one more. I want to ask you. You you guys might have have touched on this when I I had to step away for a second because there was some crazy boom outside my house and I don't know what the hell it was. Uh, But it might have been aliens, actually. It's very possible. Orange Mets pulling block. <laughs> also possible. If I would have told you December 10th, 2016, that you'd be number two in the country halfway through year five, what would your response have been? You're asking me? Yeah. December 10th, said, 2016 yep. is, is Luke Fickle's introductory press conference. Yeah. Yeah, you did. You I would have said, said yep. Why, I would have said, yeah. Why? Why are you second guessing that? <laughs> <laughs> like exactly. Like, that's the plan. That, that's where we're going. Exactly. I mean, again, like I said earlier, you we can't control rankings and all that kind of stuff. Again, we've been fortunate. We had a really good year last year. Um, you know, we put ourselves in position for this year. We're taking care of business. We're doing what we got to do. Some things have happened here and there. At the end of the day, you know, I knew deep down that this was always going to be successful because of who we were doing it with, because of obviously Coach Fickle, the coaches around us, um, you know, the staff camaraderie, the buy-in, the culture. You know, it, it, it just – you knew it's just going to happen. It's just going to take some time, you know, and it was just one of those things that, you know, you had to put your head down every single day and keep grinding, keep chipping away. And, you know, once once there was a little bit of a crack, you know, it was going to it was going to continue to roll. And um, just been so fortunate, you know, for like uh, I thought one of the coolest things about this past week um, was the uh, you know, how Travis Kelsey started that, you know, Twitter picture. Yep. And, uh, you know, then it just kind of I mean, it's steamrolled, man. I mean, it. So many guys were doing it. Obviously, a lot of guys that we know from our years here, but then a lot of guys that, you know, I knew of throughout the years and then even more just back and further and further. And you know what? That was awesome. And then again, 
even better was I think there was at least 25 to 30 former players from at least, you know, our first five years here that came to this game or on the sideline and, you know, came to the hotel Friday night and just, you know, saying how much they miss it and how much, you know, it meant to them and, you know, all this stuff. And ultimately at the end of the day, that that's what you want. You know, we want, we want to build something that guys appreciate, they love, they want to give back to, and they always want to come back and be a part of because it's always going to be a part of them. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. You could call me biased. You can call me whatever, but if you would have told me that December 16th, whenever I would have said, yeah, your point being, let's go. I love it. So Brady, one of my favorite things that Des said in the press conference was what you mentioned with, uh, you know, Tyler Cogswell and, and, and a couple of other guys were in the locker room and, and Des walked up to them and said, this is not just for us in here. It's for you guys as well. Kind of the guys that were there before him and everything's like that. So kind of playing off what you said, but back-to-back 50-point games for the first time in school history. What what that does, not only it makes you look like a dominant team because you are a dominant team, but it allows the the backups and the underclassmen to get some playing time and a, a bulk of it in the last you know couple of games in the beginning of the season as well. What what kind of excitement do you really feel when you get to see you know Royer get out there on the field and get to see all the youth and the future of the program out there showing what they can do for a full quarter at most at, in, in most games so far? Oh no, I mean you know you, you need that. We need to you know continue if we you know obviously keep doing what we're supposed to do to develop those guys that are you know the one Bs and. Um, the twos and all that kind of stuff because you know big beavers you know in the second near the end of the first half you know the, he just his shoulder uh you know had had a stinger like a week ago or something so just kind of got popped and you know was fine could have easily went back in the game at the time with the score and the situation everything you know we we're like hey you know what this might be a good opportunity to kind of let him rest and let's let Jaheim Thomas get in there and show us what he's capable of. And you know what? There's no better way. You know, again, Jaheim wasn't prepared for that. I mean, he was throughout throughout the week and, you know, making sure he was in the film and practicing hard and all that stuff. But to be thrown in there right away, that's, that's what you got to be ready for. A lot of these kids, you know, you never know. You could be one play away from really stepping up to, to do something. So um, I loved it. I love seeing seeing us get some guys out there and getting them, you know, experience and all that stuff. And um, I mean, trust me, from my point of view, there's nothing better when you're doing what you're supposed to. And, you know, you get guys out and you're getting other guys in to keep our guys fresh. And um, Again, we've been so fortunate this year with, you know, our bumps and bruises and all those things, but um, we just got to keep it rolling. Now we got see, to see seven tackles for Gene. Good. Good to see that. Absolutely. I mean, again, like, like I was saying, you want to, you want to see those kids in, in those moments, not, Hey, you know, okay, we got a comfortable lead and you know, all of a sudden now you're, you're out there just playing mop up duty. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, I know the score was pretty well in hand already, but um, you know, when we made the, the conscious effort to be like, all right, we're just going to hold Beavers out to be safe. And, you know, Beavers was mad, but at the same time, he was also happy because he knew Jaheim was going to go out there. So, you know, again, always great when we can get more Bearcats out there for sure. Now we got to see Sauce uh, in one of his tackles in the game. He performed a near perfect replication of a move called the rock bottom. 
Now, is that something that you guys practiced and how hard was it for him to break the, the follow-up with the people's elbow? It's definitely, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure coach Perry, they do some tackling drills and all that stuff, but uh, you know, that, that was really cool to see a mod uh, hit that guy like that. That was, I mean, again, nothing that we haven't seen before, but um, what's more impressive is when Ahmad ball hawked uh, down the reverse about what, 50 yards downfield or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, that was, that was something you're going to be watching when Ahmad is drafted. That's going to be a highlight reel that they show of his effort um, to showcase how much he loves football, to showcase, you know, how much he cares because he was flying and he, I mean, it was, that was a great play. And uh, you know, just that's that clip right there was the epitome of what our culture is all about. Completely agree. Completely agree. So had some I, Josiah Deguara vibes to it. Absolutely. Was just about to say that little throwback to 2019 UCLA. Well, we'll chase down. I love it. So uh, talk to me a little bit more about, so it, obviously with, with college football comes the individual awards and things of that sort. The whole Heisman talk is tossed around left and right. But talk to me what, what it seems like to have a player like Desmond Ritter in the locker room who doesn't need to have those crazy stats and isn't chasing the Heisman and more is just chasing wins. And then you have Jerome Ford who scores all these touchdowns. And instead of you know taking the acceptability on himself, he's taking it and putting it on the offensive line. Just the selfishness of all these players. I mean, again, you know, it, it's – kind of what I said earlier and it's what you know coach Fick you know set out to do here it's it's a team first culture um you know it's we before me and again Des is unbelievable like you know a, a part of me even on the side on the sideline Saturday you know I was like oh man I wonder if he's getting frustrated because you know he wants to throw the ball more this and that like you know when Des was all done he had his ball cap on and you know he comes to the sideline he's talking with me he couldn't have been more happy that the way the game went out, you know, I mean, think about it. We, we dominated the trenches. We rushed for 333 yards as a quarterback. Of course you want to throw the ball and do this and that touchdown touch. I mean, what's better than when your big boys are just absolutely mauling guys up front and your running backs are running for on average, what eight yards a carry. I mean, so, you know, again, Des is so special because, you know, he even said in one of his earlier press conferences, like, hey, I'm not going to wow you with any of my stats and this and that. But you know what he is going to wow you with? His heart, his leadership, uh, his, his work ethic, his competitiveness. And ultimately, he's one of the most winningest college football quarterbacks in the history of the game. So, you know, again, we're very blessed to be around him, to have him be a part of this program. Um, you know, we'll take that guy any single day of the week of the year. And, uh, again, when you got, when you got guys that are just showing up, you know, differently every other week, you know, past two weeks, yeah, Jerome's had, you know, some big weeks and testament to the O-line. Um, you know, Alec Pierce has stepped up. Dez is always there, but again, it's just, it's a good problem to have when you got a bunch of guys that can just do what they got to do. Well, Brady, this was a spectacular surprise. One of the, uh, best, Monday gifts I've ever received. I came into this expecting just a BBP. I open it up, Chad and Aaron are in there, and I see a third member. And 
all of a sudden it's it's wow it's it's Brady Collins so you know Brady thanks for for sprinkling your unbelievable knowledge on all of us and and you know what we'll let you go but any any parting words of wisdom other than let's go Bearcats <laughs> no I appreciate it man I'm just sitting here my daughter's about to come out from gymnastics so I'll pick her up and take her on home but uh just appreciate you guys it's always a pleasure um you know seeing you guys and all the work that you guys are doing to help, um, you know, continue all this momentum and all that stuff, wishing the best for Chad and his wife. Um, but again, you know, just, just keep enjoying this ride guys, because it is, it's special. This team is special. Um, and it's not about the individual guys on all this team. It's just the collective whole. <laughs> Thanks, you got brother. To pump it up. <laughs> Miss you already, guys, Brady. Thanks, guys. See you soon, Brady. Later, brother. See you guys. Yeah. See ya. See ya. Oh, my oh my. That was that was spectacular. I love him so much. Surprise. Gosh, I want to give him another hug. Just, <laughs> just more he hugs. Me, he hit me literally at like 10 till 8, and he was like, You guys want to surprise guests tonight? It's like, oh, yeah, we want to surprise you yes. tonight. Anytime we can get so, Brady, we will get Brady. <laughs> he was actually in before either of you. So even when Aaron popped in, he was like, you could see in his face because me and Brady are in the middle of a conversation. He's like, yeah. what the hell is this? What's <laughs> happening? I, see, I was thinking like it was just going to be like Brady was on before to like tell us something. And then he was like, but I got to go after this before the BBP starts. But no, gracious with no. his presence. <laughs> what I mean, a presence my daughter gets. He's like, my daughter gets done at 8.30. I can give you guys 25, 30 minutes. You want it? Yep. Yeah, Brady asks you if he can come on the show, and you're like, does a bear cat shit in the woods? <laughs> uh, does he? Or is it in the jungle? I think it's in the jungle. I think a bear, it's in the bear jungle. cat shits in the jungle. Yeah. Or the zoo. The jungle. Bear cat shits Fine. in the zoo. Or the zoo. And it smells yeah, like popcorn and eats bananas. There we go. Loose those bananas. And, and he tackles people where the, he tackles the snitch and he did whatever he did this past week. Aaron, you're oh, an airplane. He was an airplane. He in was an airplane for quite a while. And he was Spider-Man. Gosh, he was all over the place. All over. He, he did lose the dancing contest to the guy that did a backflip. I, I was a standing backflip by just like a student. Like that was fantastic. I mean, anytime a student can come out of the ruckus, probably about eight to 15 beers deep. Eight to fifteen, what natty lights? Is that what these guys are drinking these days? Natty lights deep. Natter days. Natter days deep. And does a standing backflip. You gotta you gotta give him the award. Man, that was impressive. But so is the game. The game was impressive. We've already kind of touched on the kind of generalities with Brady. But guys, I want to read this. I want to read this real fast before we dive even further in. It's, it's a quote that uh, UCF head coach Gus Malzahn said, and I'm sure you guys have seen it, and I'm sure a lot of people listening have already read it as well. But it's, he said, after the game, Cincinnati is as advertised. They can play with any team in the country. They could win the whole thing. What do you guys just think? Like, what goes through your head when you see a, a coach like Gus Malzahn, who has played in a national championship, who has played against numerous national championship teams, Say those words. I mean, he's no. given, yeah, he's, he's given respect where respect's due. Like Cincinnati's done exactly what they needed to do 
in every game this year. And they're doing it by double digits in every game this year. So I don't know. I mean, to not give them that type of respect right now, kind of be crazy. Yeah. Validation. It's, it, it's what this team is yearning for, what this team is fighting for. Cause I mean, Chad, you have really been doing a great job digging these, uh, and I don't like to say this, but idiots off of Twitter and saying, guys, you are being idiotic with these things. Delusional is you, you even posted the Merriam-Webster dictionary of delusional. And I, I, I don't understand how you could watch that game the first half and come away saying, with a healthy offense, I think we might win or, or lose by seven. It's, it's just these fans are going to be delusional. And I just hope the people around college football country don't get this weird sense of, you know what, they've, they've been a lot of muff punts, a lot of turnovers. Teams have been losing to them because they beat themselves. It, it's all hogwash. It's all terrible, terrible takes because this is a team that has just been completely and utterly dominant. And it's so obvious when you go and watch the game. Yeah, I mean, it, the annoying part is, like, you know, there was a clown today that's like, I, I'm a coach. I watch tape. Like, that doesn't, doesn't mean you're good at it. Like, <laughs> congratulations. I do a lot of things regularly that mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean I'm good at them. Right. Like, so, the, and, you know, that the, the guy today was an Alabama fan. Like, you know, the Alabama, and that's that's what you're dealing with right now is Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State. Like, the Blue Bloods are looking up at Cincinnati, and they are very unhappy about that. And, I mean, I get it from the, the, the point of this is new, and anything that's new makes people uncomfortable. But if you actually watch the games – if you actually know the sport and you don't have the utmost respect for the Cincinnati team, I can't have put any, any credence in anything you say. Right. I mean, we're talking, there are roughly five draftable NFL prospects, if not more on each side of the football for this team. Yep. Ritter. Ford, Pierce, Wiley, Taylor on offense, Sauce, Majay, Kobe, Beavers, Cook on defense. And that that's leaving some fringe guys off that are going to get a look via free agency. Yes. If they don't get to the point where they're drafted. So, like, how, how, many, how many of the elite teams have 10 guys that are, are going to go into this draft as draftable prospects? So if you're, if you're, you know, if you're uncomfortable because Cincinnati is where it is, I I get it. I don't agree with it, but I get it. But to continue to say stupid things like they don't have nearly the talent, you know, that, that went all the way back to Todd McShay last year. Right. You know, when he said Cincinnati didn't have any NFL talent on their roster and they had what five guys drafted. Yeah, four, yeah. yeah well, yes. And and now when you think about it, Chad, you've been in been around the game on the field before the game. I've been to the press box last you know a few seasons. There have never been this many NFL scouts coming to each game. What that's no, gonna lead to at higher ground. 
Right. And, and what that's going to lead to is more players getting drafted because these NFL scouts aren't just showing up to a pro day and saying, wow, this Derek Forrest, he really, he really blew up. Let's go back and now watch the tape. Instead, they're saying, wow, this Brian Cook, he is playing well, like an NFL caliber player. Now let's see what his measurables are after the season. And the more they're around the program, the more that they, they get the understanding of the program is about the right things. Right. So it's producing kids that are about the right things. Yeah. Kids that love the game of football, kids that you don't have to question their character and their work ethic and, and wonder like, are they doing this for the right reasons or are they just doing it because there's, you know, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. So, yeah, I mean, that, success breeds success. And that's what we're seeing here. And it's just lazy if, like, you know, if you want to say, like, you think Oklahoma would would, would win a close game against Cincinnati, I'm not going to, like, hate on that opinion. But, but it's it, – but, like, Ohio State would beat their Cincinnati team by four touchdowns. Shut the fuck up. Like, you're an idiot. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. Shut up. Right. Now, I, I thought there weren't going to be any scouts on a, at a noon Saturday game for <laughs> Cincinnati. Right. I meant to text you guys and have you count how many were on the uh, seating chart, but I forgot. I mean, there was, there was a bunch there, a bunch, but yeah, you know, I, another little storyline that I'm annoyed of. And after this, let's kind of touch on you no know, players, you know, individual players in the game and then move on from football, however hard that is. But another narrative that I'm frustrated and sick of is yes, you can say that Indiana's having a down season. I'll give you that. I'll give you the Hoosiers. They're having a down season. They've had all some of Cincinnati, All of Indiana's losses are the top 10 teams. Right, top 10 teams. But I'm I'm saying they're they're going to have one game in the future where it, it's going to be a big win. They who, who knows if it'll be this weekend? I, I'm not guessing that or anything. But, you know, one of these upcoming games, I mean, they they're right there with Michigan State. It's always going to be this is a very solid Indiana team. But I'm done with the narrative that this Notre Dame is a down team. I, I mean, they beat Purdue. Purdue just went on the road, beat Iowa. They've, you know, played us very difficultly and, and still since I was able to come out at the end and Purdue might win every single game on the rest of their schedule. They, they more than likely will be favored in every single game for the rest of their schedule to the point where, I mean, they're going to be in the top 10 again. It's, it's just, I'm done hearing this narrative. It feels like people are making up excuses against Cincinnati, which, like you said, Chad, people are just uncomfortable with the current state of, wow, who was this outsider sitting at number two in the eight people? So, I don't know. I'm, I'm sick of it because if you watch the games, the way that defense flew around in the first half, it's head over heels, an extremely talented team and one that can hang with and beat every team in the country. And I will stand, stand behind that because Georgia, number one, this untouchable team, it's Georgia from last year. And you're going to tell me after the first quarter, right? After the first quarter pass in that Peach Bowl game, if, if Georgia wasn't really playing for anything, when Cincinnati came out and smacked them in the mouth, I guarantee you every single Georgia player flipped the switch and said, all right, let's lock in. We got to play this game. And it went all the way down to the final whistle. So I'll argue, I'll argue the other way. Yeah. If that's a Georgia team that, that didn't want to play the game, right? they wouldn't have responded when Cincinnati got up. Exactly. They'd have packed yeah. it in and just said, yeah, we don't we'll, give a shit about this. We'll lose by what? 10 points or something. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Who right. cares? You know, we're, we're on to, we're on to 2021. Right. That's not what they did because they cared very much about winning that game. 
Like it's another just lazy, you know, bullshit talking point because I was sitting in those press conferences, listening to that Georgia team and those players talk. Yep. They wanted to smash Cincinnati. They did. They weren't able to do it. It's a great game. Because they heard the same things that all these fans are making up that they, right. they, they aren't here to play this and the other. They had a first round wide receiver who has not played a snap this year. They had a great NFL defensive player in Ojolari who was also playing in that game that last year. I, it's, it's just sure. And, and Chad, you did a great job tweeting that one tweet out earlier about the amount of players that were out for them. Well, look at the amount of players out for us. So, and what happened? Cincinnati competed. Cincinnati right. controlled the game until the very end. Right. There, there were no excuses. There was no pouting. I mean, think how easy it would have been for Cincinnati to say no sauce, no wig, no dokes, you know, no, no Renfro. Losing Hudson. Hudson, Hudson mm-hmm. gets ejected. Like no Malik Van. You know, there's, there's five of your best players. Yeah. And instead, Cincinnati took it to Georgia. There was no pouting. There was no woe was us because, you know, things didn't go our way. They said, we're going to win this game. And they played like it. Why? Because they have the depth. They have the talent to be able to withstand it. There's not many, not many teams. And that's the other thing that you keep trying to explain. I keep trying to explain to people. How many teams would have been able to take their nickel and slide them out to number one boundary corner and have them hold up? How many teams have a number two nickel that they just slide in and don't miss a beat? Or or how about bringing a safety and have him be probably the best defensive yeah. player in the game. Uh, you right. know, it, it's depth. It's experience. They had Jakari ready if, when Renfro went down. Now Jakari's right. not here anymore, but they were prepared. Mm-hmm. That's what you do when you have a good program. That's, that's, that is what Luke is talking about when he talks about the difference between team and program. Because a team – you know, you build up, right? You, you, you build up and all of a right. sudden you all this building and you get to the top of the food chain and you make your run and then you drop down and then it takes three, four more years. You build up, you have your big year, you drop back down Memphis, right? Like we, we've seen that with Memphis up, back down, build back up, drop back down. That's not what's being built here. And, and, and if you watch Cincinnati and, and don't see the reality of, this is not a gimmick. This is a great team, mm-hmm. top to bottom, across the board, one through 22. Like I, That was one of the points I wanted to get to on this podcast today, so I might as well just bring it up now. When you're game planning for Cincinnati, where's the weakness? Like We've, we've seen teams try to, try to take away the tight ends, and they, they go out wide. We've seen teams try to take away outside. They go to the tight ends. We saw Central Florida. They had five guys in the box most of the time. It was five on five. You wonder why Cincinnati was averaging 10 yards a rush for a lot of that game. It it was because they were just saying, like, it's five on five in the box. And Des was saying, all right, take the snap, hand it to Rome. Take the snap, hand it to Rome. Like, what do you game plan? And, And if you try to run, they shut you down. Try to pass. They shut you down. Like, what do you gain? Like, do you game plan? How do you game plan Cole Smith? Like, we're, we're going to try to 
bleed the clock and get Cincinnati <laughs> into a 12 to nine finish. Like, what do you game plan to beat this team? Like, it's got to be a nightmare. Well, and, and even that's in- just final point. That's what elite teams do. Mm-hmm. They say you can't take anything away that we, we don't have an answer for. Take this away. We got that. Take that away. We got this. And that's what this team does. Even in defense of Cole Smith, he had a bad first kick and he fixed it. And yeah, he whatever was, he switched, it worked. So I don't know. I mean, is that even necessarily a, a weak point if he's got his head on right and his hips pointed the right direction and he's he's going out there and, and doing what he needs to do to get the ball through the uprights? They were straight as an arrow the next seven point afters. And I've been hard as anybody on the special team. So, I mean, I'm not giving a, a free pass here to Cole Smith. No. Uh, well, and, and he, he's made some monster kicks in his career, and mm-hmm. there's no doubting that. And so I, I believe that the confidence that Luke Fickle and the entire team has put into him will eventually lead to him getting out of whatever rut he's in, and hopefully with these extra points, that was exactly the uh, concoction needed for it. But, you know, th- just to continue on special teams, Everyone was talking at the beginning of the year about, you know, Ryan Montgomery and, and his little bobbles of, of a punt return. Now he's becoming one of the better punt returners in the country. And then, of course, you look again, the, the difficulties of kickoffs, of those going out of bounds. I don't think we've had one since the early season difficulty. So, I mean, adjustments have been made. And, you know, you, I, I agree with you guys. And Chad and, and Aaron, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the only way that offenses have, offenses have been able to get anything going has been with like reverse plays and kind of the little gimmicky plays of their own. I mean, you look at the first half of that 51 yard reverse that they ran, you know, at no, the they, end they, of, they ran a statue of Liberty package. Yeah. Think about that. Not a statue of Liberty play, right? Malzahn had a package of statue of Liberty plays that he went to because the stat I put up blew my mind. Right. Yeah. The first seven offensive possessions, Central Florida ran 24 plays. They gained 29 yards. They had one of their first seven possessions that wasn't a three and out, and that was a six and out that they gained 14 yards on. That was, over the first seven drives, one of the most dominant performances you will ever see from a defense. Amen. They took their soul. They did. They did. And, and, and they took their soul and Deshaun Pace slammed it on the turf. And, you know, Brian Cook slammed it on the turf. And then Brian Cook took out his legs, both the lineman and the running back, and slammed that it on the ridiculous. turf. That I, was ridiculous. That was ridiculous. Can, can we talk about Brian Cook for a second? I, like, name me another player. I, I mean, I look back at even when Brian Cook is, is guarding Michael Mayer one-on-one on that one pass down the, down the sideline. And he's able to get a hand on it. And then I look back on his two big hits coming in this game. First, that screen pass that he absolutely just blew up. Just blew it up. Big time play. And then, of course, you've got a pulling offensive lineman coming at you with a big running back. Isaiah Bauer is a big back. Like a Jared Doak's big back. And he takes out both of them. I, he I hit mean, the lineman so hard <laughs> that he blew up the running back. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. You see that like once a season in football? Right. 
he's he's laying laying word as if he's about to have a nice little fire in this warm this is cold fall weather. Man. <laughs> now you know why I'm scared of that man. He terrifies me still. Yes. Even though Aaron, I'm on good terms with him, he still scares the shit out of me. Oh, he's he, he's a great guy. Shout out Brian Cook. Aaron. Jerome Ford is the best Bearcat running back since say Pete. Okay. I think that I think you can finally say that. Like I think Mike Warren kind of set the tone for for running backs and and kind of paved the groundwork for well Dokes kind of paved it for Warren who then took it back from Warren after Warren was gone. Dokes Dokes took that right back. Right. Um but but yeah, I mean I don't I don't think that Jerome Ford is really on the same level as a Mike Warren or Jared Dokes and they were both great backs. It's just, I, I think we're seeing something really, truly special with Jerome Ford that we haven't seen since Isaiah Pede. And I think he's going to have quite the opportunity to make a lot of noise at the next level. Chad, what, is, what does it need to take for Ford to have, I mean, possibly the best single season ever as a Cincinnati running back or maybe cement himself as possibly the, can you say he was maybe the best running back in, in school history? I mean, I mean, I if he continues to rip off 50 plus yard touchdown runs every week, then he's going to put himself in the conversation because that just that 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 elevates the numbers. They are proving steadfast to getting him the ball when they're in the red zone, mm-hmm. uh, I think, which is important. And he's also proven to be a three down back. Yeah. You know, that was kind of the fear at the beginning of the season is where are you going to be able to play him all three downs or were you going to need a third down back, a change of pace guy? You don't. Because he can do everything. Take a look at that 23-yard swing pass that he had right uh, on Saturday. So, and especially against AAC competition, with the way that this offensive line's playing, he's going to continue. Now you're going to see teams start to stack the box because it's what we've talked about every week. Okay, over the last two weeks, the offense has done this. So we're going to see teams adjust, which we saw Central Florida do, mm-hmm. and say, okay. We're going to take away deep and intermediate because they're hurting people pretty bad deep and intermediate because teams were playing them up. Central Florida plays back. Jerome Ford goes for 199 or what 189, whatever it was. Um, so yeah, you're going to continue to see that cat and mouse of defenses having to pick. It goes back to what we just talked about having to pick. What do we take away from Cincinnati? What do we try to game plan out of their attack? Right. And anytime, as soon as the offense figures it out, they start going to what is left open because of how you game plan. And that's, that's how you build a great offense. Like, look, this offense is ninth in scoring. When have they ran hurry up? When have they ran tempo? And end of the first half against Notre Dame. That's probably about it. Yeah, like a two-minute drill. Like that's yeah. really the only time we've Situational. really seen yeah. them run tempo. They're not yeah. running tempo. They're just taking their time, lining up, getting the call right, exploiting what you're making available. Desmond Ritter, Ritter is making the right reads. He's making the right checks. The coaches are calling great plays. Great players are getting open. And the ball is moving down the field. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's clinical what they're doing on offense right now. 
And yeah, that might take a little bit of time, especially when you're playing like Indiana has a very good defense. Notre Dame has a very good defense. Like there are going to be times when you struggle to get going, but over the course of 60 minutes, good luck stopping all the weapons that this team can throw at you. It's damn near impossible. Central Florida made a a calculated decision that we're going to take away the passing game. And for the most part, they, they were successful at that, but only because Cincinnati said, all right, no problem. We got you, fam. We're going to (laughs) run right down your fucking throat for 60 minutes for 330 yards. Well, well, Fickle always mentioned he wants to get the ball in Ford's hands more in the first half. 16 carries seems like he did just that. Yeah, it's it's but that teams were taking Taking, away. Right. We don't you know, they're putting seven, eight in the box and saying we don't want to let you run. Right. Central Florida was really the first opponent that said we're going to stop the pass. Okay. Go ahead. So. So Ford enters the talk. Of Heisman, uh, and and uh, some well, no, here, in, no, in, in, in some, he's he's tenth in odds on this Heisman that that I'm looking at the uh, Heisman Trophy winner odds. You've got Des there still sitting at number five, and then Jerome is tenth. So it's 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 not going to be one that picks up enough steam, but it's still something where now you've got to account for, like you said. Dynamic quarterback, dynamic receivers, dynamic tight ends, dynamic, and then ultra dynamic running back as well. It so, should be mentioned that he only is seven touchdowns shy of the season record at Cincinnati and has seven games to do that. Has, yeah, how many yeah. games has he only scored one touchdown? <laughs> right. Right? Well, I mean, like, I think what? I, even against Notre Dame, they didn't really make a concerted effort of running the ball. Because Des was 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 like you said, finding those those intermediate and and you know longer routes, but still at at the end he was really starting to pick up chunk yardage when when he needed to when his number was called he was ready. So yeah, he didn't score against Notre Dame. He had one touchdown against Miami, three against Murray State, two against Indiana, two against Temple, four against UCF, and uh, I don't think there's going to be many games he has fewer than two the rest of right. the way. Right. So now, now we're here. I, I do want to talk about the other touchdown that the first team had. And it's, I tweeted this. I think this might be this season's kind of bread and butter when you get in a certain, certain situation, because I, you saw numerous connections with this play against Notre Dame. You saw a touchdown against Temple with this play. And then you see it again, another touchdown this past Saturday. And that's where Des has it about 25 yards to, to 15 yards to go towards the end zone. And he just throws a quick fade out to man coverage, Alec Pierce. And, you know, name any team out there that is going to be able to stop that on a consistent basis. I, you know, last year, the RPO with, with the pass option was the no doubt bread and butter. And they're still running that a bit this year, but not as much as they did last season. It just seems like that play from Des to Pierce is open whenever they want. He's a mismatch in one. And if you're going to man up Alec Pierce 20 yards from the end zone, they're going to throw it up to him and, and the odds are good. He's going to get it. I mean, yeah. that's, that's, that's who he is. He's big. He can jump. He can high point the ball. He's got great hands. He's strong. 
Like he, I, I'm not a big fan of the fade. Right. Because most guys that they throw the fade to are not Alec Pierce. <laughs> I, I'm yeah. a fan of the fade to Alec Pierce because he's why the fade was invented. Right. Like he has all of the traits, all of the intangibles to go get the fade. Right. Yep. They throw too many fades to guys that are like six one that are, you know, kind of, you know, stationary guys. Like, no, you throw it up to a guy that you know can out-jump, out-muscle, out-perform one-on-one coverage. Alec Pierce can do that. Seen it how many times? At, at least seven times this season. At Still least. not enough. Right, right. <laughs> Aaron's throwing it to him more. I'm here for it. I mean, <laughs> he, he's – there, I don't. I don't know that you could make an argument that there's a better receiver on this team than Alec Pierce, just in general or currently. Will Pauling. I mean, <laughs> come on now. Oh, inside Will joke. Yeah, inside joke. Definitely. Yeah. I knew where you were going with that. But still, I that seems like a play that's kind of unstoppable. One that you think back to it, who has Des and Alec Pierce been kind of running that play against in camps and practices? They're going up against Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant. So, I mean, two of the best corners in the country. So I, there's there's no doubt you've got enough practice in where now all of a sudden you're facing a corner who Alec is able to easily get past, and then you can find him real fast. So, I mean, tip of, tip of the cap to him and, and Dez. That, that, that is a connection that always seems to be there. But another connection, I, I think, is uh, how about the rake, man? we got to talk about Mason Fletcher a little bit. You know, muffed punts are not common. That's why I'm going to give a little bit of a tip of the cap to Mason Fletcher. I think that – I don't know if he's putting spin on the ball. I don't know if he's doing some little Australian juju with it. I, it just seems as if he is booting it to the point where it is making these returners retreat, and now they're losing sight of the ball and muffing it. I mean, these are like experienced players that are muffing these punts as well. It's not like it's a, a freshman back there kind of getting a little butterfingers. I, it, it just seems like Fletcher is becoming a big-time weapon instead of just one that we were really wondering about coming into the season. I have a theory on it, especially in this UCF game. I mean, we saw UCF's punter, and UCF's punter had a ton of hang time. It was a pretty ball, and it looked like the way that you want a punter to actually look when he's going through the punting motions and mechanics. Mason Fletcher, on the other hand, was doing things a little bit non-traditional. It was, you know, kind of more of one of the uh, the less lofty, more horizontal, like, punts. It's going almost over the, the punt returner's head. They weren't expecting it to have that little bit of hang time. They weren't expecting defenders to be there in their face, and they weren't expecting the ball to sail on them, really. So all of a sudden, you, you add all those things together to where they're normally used to practicing with a more traditional style punter. And it was clearly just a, uh, a perfect storm for, for UCF in this game. I mean, the, the rake has been performing at like, even that one punt, I was wondering why they were punting it. Cause, cause it had all, since they had all the momentum in the world and it, they were on the right side of the 50 and, and all of a sudden, you know, it was what fourth and five, fourth and six. And, and Luke brings out the punt team. And then Fletch has just the perfect punt that bounces on the five and lands right into the waiting hands of Michael Young at the two-yard line. I, that's just – that's a weapon. That is an absolute weapon to have, and it, it really feeds into the three-phase thing of the team. Um, I mean, that, also, one last thing. 
Evan Prater, when he comes in, and I know everyone wants to see him try a couple passes here and there, but what what Desmond Ritter has with grit, Desmond will will run the ball with grit. He'll run you over and he'll he'll find you know avenues and places to go. I think that Prater runs it with swag. He's got he he dug that right foot in and cut back as if it was nothing. I I think you're you're seeing glimpses of Evan Prater, even though it's not much, where he just seems to have a little bit of a swagger and a little bit of confidence about himself out on the field, just something that I uh, noticed on that one little tiny touchdown run that he had. But I don't know. I'm, I'm excited for the future just as much as I am with the current uh, status of the program. Agreed. Agreed. Well, guys, anything else about this UCF game? We could, we could continue to beat it continuously, or we could uh, move on to the fact that this team is now number two in the country and one that uh, only 11 other teams since Luke Fickle took over as head coach at University of Cincinnati. Only 11 other teams have been in the top, uh, top two in college football. And it's all the usual, usual suspects. And then teams like Iowa and Miami of Florida and, and Penn State randomly popped themselves in there. What do you think that really does just kind of for the trajectory of, you know, this, this program and the, the fact of what comes in the near future? Because obviously, you know, the somewhat elephant in the room is, is the news coming out of Baton Rouge. And I don't want to dive too deep into it. But, of course, you see the head man as, the, as number two in the odds to be going down to old Baton Rouge and eating some gumbo and, and some, some crawfish. So I, it, it just, like Fickle always says, it is just a, a blessing to be mentioned in these circumstances and, and get that sort of notoriety because the number two in the co- team in the country is just not something that just happens overnight. It's been something that's been building up to this point. Here's what I would suggest. If you're planning on betting on Luke Fickle being the next head coach at LSU, you can do one of two things. One, you can Venmo that money to at Bearcat journal. Oh, I like that idea. Can we split it? Because sure, sure. Or number two, you can go to the ATM, take that money out of the bank. And the next time you have to drop a deuce, go into the bathroom and wipe your ass with it and flush it down the toilet. Well, depending on how much money, it's the same thing. Depending on how much money they take out, though, tell me which bathroom you're going to. And uh, I don't know. I might be there waiting. So, yeah, continue. You're you're that desperate for money. You're gonna take. You're gonna pick poop poop no, dollar bills no, out of the water. But, but that's how the rich get richer, baby. Any chance to get that money? That's how you get disease, salmonella, or whatever the hell you get from picking poopy ones out of the the toilet. I'm not gonna be. <laughs> I'm gonna hire someone to pick them out. They just got to be there to make sure they get it. I'm it's shocked weird. that you're the one saying these things, and it's not me, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I I just wanted to put that into the world. (laughs) Or take the money out of the ATM, get a lighter, catch the money on fire. Also uh, an equal uh, representation of what you would be doing with that money if you bet on Luke Fickle to be the next head coach at LSU. You would be committing a felony is what you would be doing, right? Catching money on fire is a felony? I don't know, is it? Maybe. I don't know. know. You you said it with confidence. It's It's a misdemeanor in my eyes. Go ahead and give that money to someone that needs it. Where are yes, we? we? We are in the fact that this team has made this much success to where 
names are getting tossed. I'm making jokes, and Brent is like, like deep in his feels about what to do with money that you're not betting on Luke Fickle (laughs) going to LSU. Well, because if you didn't know, the Bearcats are five and one against the spread this season. So if you have been riding that high, then you've been riding. Yeah, you live in Indiana, so like you should be making a lot of money off of this. I'm still all the way back on his terrible, terrible Louisiana accent. Just all the way back there. What? Oh, I. I mean, I wasn't even trying. Uh, we could try. Play the, we, we got the receipts. We, we, anyone wants to go back and listen to that horrible impression he did, realize about halfway through how terrible it was, and then abandon ship. It was fantastic. gumbo, crawfish. I, I mean, it, just, it was flowing off like, like water. You know, I, who it knows? Wasn't. Who knows? Toilet water. Yes, exactly. Toilet water with poopy dollars. But Full yeah, circle. I, I mean, I just, I don't know the whole, I think it's just the national disrespect a of all. And then B of all the fact that like people aren't truly grasping how special this is outside of the five, one, three, which is absolutely on fire. I mean, I think the fan base is as ruckus as it's ever been. I, I mean, Aaron, you, you, you were at the stadium at Nipper yeah. and you've got to admit that was probably the loudest that place has been with it not being a nip at night situation. I mean, there were people who were on the field. There were, there were fans that were, I've talked to that have, and you, I mean, I think I saw it on Twitter, if not on Twitter and some of the Facebook groups, like people were talking about that. That was the loudest that they had ever been at Nippert. And I'm assuming they have, those people have not been to a nip at night game, but even still, like I would, I would put it up there against some of the nip at night games even because it was loud, especially when we were, you know, getting those timeouts by UCF when the, the players on the field started, you know, doing the, the come on, let's go, like make some noise. Like it was crazy. And we don't hear a whole lot up in the press box. And I mean, it was even loud up there. It really was. Really was. And, and you know what? It was especially loud with all of the recruits there. Aaron, you just posted a story on the website. I don't want you to, to dive too much into it because it is, you know, VIP. You know, hit, hit subscribe, jump, 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 get a membership, read this juicy, juicy. But I want you to tell me kind of what was the gist? Because this was a special day, obviously, for this team, number three in the country. And then all of a sudden becoming number two, number two in the country with this domination of the UCF or as Chad would say, the University of Central Florida Golden Knights. Knights. <laughs> I, I will say when you when you add all the numbers up between <clears throat> 2023 recruits committed 2022 recruits and 2022 recruits that might be committed elsewhere. Double digit four-star visitors for a game. Like, who? It's, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. This is Cincinnati. We're not used to having nice things. Like this is insane. Absolutely insane. And the crowd showed out. Oh man. They, they showed up. They showed out. Aaron. So, just general observations of what you've been able to gather, maybe a tidbit here, a tidbit there, if you, if if Chad so much allows you to. Well, I'll tell, I mean, him, I'll tell him to shut up if he goes too far. That's okay. usually how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> Just in regular conversations with Chad, not even on the podcast. But Aaron, Aaron, I don't care that you ate a grilled cheese. Just shut up. Uh, exactly. So uh, it was it was good catching up with the uh, the commits that were there. Um, course those are going to be the easiest for me to pick out in the crowd because those are, those are my guys I, I i talk to them on a fairly regular regular basis um 
one of the things that it's good to see uh, Ken Willis is back in action uh, for the first time this season. He has uh, recovered from his injury with Colerain, um, and he is a, a commit for next season at cornerback. So good to hear that he's back, although he didn't put a, a ton of stats up this week. Uh, they didn't really go his way. Um, but I got to see, you know, Big Shep. I got to see CJ Doggett. got to see uh, Jonathan Harder for the first time. I uh, got to see Marcus Peterson for the first time. Um, so good to see some of those guys there. Uh, Peterson didn't play on Friday, so he was here for the game. Um, and I, of course, got to catch up with most of those guys, got to catch up with some of the other guys. The main questions I was asking this week were kind of getting the feedback of how the game was, how the visit was, and how, they are, how the atmosphere was. Of course, for some guys, they'd been here before, but for a noon game and for that much energy, the kids were feeling it. And that's, you know, I know that was one of the concerns was it was a noon game. So are, is it going to be the same type of atmosphere that we have for a nip at night? And again, you know, we, we just made the point that it was the loudest we'd heard it. And I, I think that that still just goes to show, you know, it's a sellout game against what's becoming quickly one of our, our fiercest rivalries. That's an active rivalry for what it is. And uh, the kids enjoyed it. And then the other question I was asking everybody was uh, just how much it meant to them that Cincinnati's the number two team in the nation, whether that be the kids who are already committed here or kids that are looking at Cincinnati and how much it means to them as they make that decision. So those are some of the things you can catch out, catch, check out in my article. And I can imagine the, uh, the, the responses were glowing. Stuff's still trickling in. So I'm still getting to uh, talk to them about what's going on. So as things come to me, I'll be sure to post it to the board. So, yeah, uh, you know, and, I mean, that just also caters to what is going on now when with basketball starting to roll in. You know, I, Chad, there were some some big time basketball recruits there as well. One one was on an official visit in Wesley Tubbs. That was that was uh, really opened up and talked about. I, I mean, how much of a you know, it because this is the first time really that Wes Miller has had the luxury of a an elite college football program to use during his recruiting. I, I mean, is it something that you've been able to gather that's just a, a monster advantage that Wes Miller and the staff has been able to use so far just this early in the year, in their tenure? Yeah, I mean, people have to, like, people have to adjust the mentality when they hear of junior official visits. Yeah. Like, it's not a senior official visit. Like, the kid right. is not necessarily in decision-making mode. But mm-hmm. he is interested enough that he wants to officially get to campus, check things out, see where things are at, and, you know, evaluate where Cincinnati is on his list. Like, <clears throat> this is going to become kind of the new norm with a lot of juniors that are being a little bit more proactive about the process, I guess is the right way to put it because they understand they've got a chance because here's, here's what I don't think people understand with, with basketball officials, juniors get five, their junior year and then five more, their senior year. Jeez. Yeah. So they also like that changes the, the balance of like how this stuff works because you can take five your junior year and then once that calendar flips to you being a senior, you get five more. Question. Can you go to the same school twice? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So I think people were looking at it as like, this is like put up or shut up time. That's not the case. 
Right. But they did get a chance to get a top 150 kid on campus, give them the pitch. But, but I don't think either side is necessarily right now like banging down the door to make a decision because it's so early in the process. Right. So like, don't freak out about it. Like, is this like done? No, like just, it's part of how things, because that change was made two years ago and then the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. So we're just now really getting a chance to adjust to that. They do have five extra visits to use now official visits to use as juniors. Yeah. So I, the visit from what I know, the visit went really well. Uh, but it's a situation where just like chill, like it, it's yeah. the, we're a long way from November 2022 for that first signing day for the 2023 class. And the staff is swinging big. Not that Tubbs is not a big time talent because he is, but let them get all their evaluations in check. Let them get everything figured out. Like, you know, what if, what if George Washington and Dalen Swain want to come? Whoa, whoa. That's again. not how you say his name. George Washington the third. What you, if he man. wants to come? What if Dalen Swain wants to come? Mm-hmm. What if Rayvon Griffith wants to come? Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you can't jump right. this early when you've got so many other irons in the fire. Like just relax. Especially I, when I know you get people get jumpy, but it's recruiting. Relax. Relax. Well, well, especially when you saw what the staff was able to do with Daniel Skillings, you know, and with, Reed, Josh Reed. Right, right. You you get in there, you notice talent, you you find someone that you really want super bad, and and Daniel Skillings and Reed as well. But and you see them develop and get better, then all of a sudden you're like, okay, full court press on them, bring them in. So yes, relax. Well, let's would, would let's be, be honest. Let's be honest here. What if the basketball team comes out and actually overachieves? Like maybe some people just want to see what this team actually does once Coach Miller's actually coached a game, which and he then, has yet to do here. So right, you right. see some of that, and then you see this team potentially overachieve in games that maybe they aren't favored to win, or maybe they come out the gate swinging big, and, and some mm-hmm. of the pieces start to gel together. All of a sudden, you're looking at perhaps even maybe some different entire conversations that you're having with recruits as opposed to the ones that you're you're having right now before he's even coached a game. Yeah. Would you say maybe the staff would would, would call an Omaha? Yeah, yeah. No, because okay. they haven't even okay, called I'll the move play on. yet to call an Omaha. Well, you but, but you know the, the but you know the Omaha. Audible. But you know Omaha. Yes, Omaha. an audible. No, no, Omaha, a top five player in the class of twenty twenty three. Okay, I got, I got you now. I got okay. you. I missed that. There we go. I missed. That's go. my bad. That's my bad. That's on me. Yeah. That's my bad. My <laughs> bad. Was, it was it was tough because 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 Peyton and Eli are on the TV screen right now. So yeah, I I I, I get what you're saying. My oh brain my is in Peyton mode, right? Like, yes, you're yes. not calling an audible, right? Uh, right. Thirteen months from from signing day for these guys. I forgot that kid existed. I'm I'm just gonna be the first to say it. So <laughs> he's a link here prep. He's a link here prep. Yes. Not much going on in Branson other than a couple phone calls from Wesley Miller. Weston Miller, pardon me. But anyway. Uh, let's go ahead and just wrap up the, the football because I want to talk about basketball a tiny bit, Chad. And then we're going to dive into the uh, BBP mailbag. Aaron, I, I, I'm excited for, to hear some of your answers in this juicy BBP mailbag. But, Mr. Biggin, the football team, obviously, traveling to Navy. 
this upcoming Saturday. Chad, you and you and Dave will probably have a, a decent dive into that one. I don't know if you're going to do a deep, deep dive, but um, because it what's, is what's there to say, it what's is there one, to say, it is one in five Navy, and they're going to be running, 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 running. I want to know what, running and running, running and running, running. What's the over under for pass attempts in this game by Navy? Oh, they got sacked. Maybe, they, maybe they, they got sacked like four times last week. Maybe it'll be ten. I'm just saying. What, what's the over under for pass attempts? Think about that. They got sacked four times last week. That doesn't they mean they like didn't six times. They passed like six times a game. They That's got what I was going to say. Four of them. <laughs> I, I was going to say they probably still wasn't double digits. It was only like five, six, seven times that they tried to call a pass play. So, well. But what if Cincinnati gets up 28 to nothing in you know midway through the second quarter? Is this the week that Myjay finds that elusive first sack? Man, boy, oh boy. Did you see how angry he was on that so one mad. near snap? Through that near towel. Sack? Yeah. Mad, man. <laughs> man, I do feel bad for him because he ha- he, he has been probably the biggest A defensive menace, MVP. An absolute terror. Yeah. yeah, he's been the biggest defensive MVP that does not have the the stats to make him garner an MVP. I I mean he's been he's been dominant, but man, just that elusive first sack. I I he's gonna get it. He's gonna I get hope it. so. Navy Navy is potentially your get right game anyway. If UCF wasn't, if Temple wasn't, maybe this is the, the game where you know and I, I take back my is Cincinnati a, a second half team. Clearly they're not a second half team. They're just not a four quarter team yet. <laughs> So that's, well, I think, where we're at right now. You get a 35 nothing. <laughs> it's like a three-and-a-half-quarter team. We're almost there. Right. We're almost there. But I digress. But, no, I, I think this may very well be the game where, where Maijay gets him one. Right. Well, I mean, 35 nothing is when the when your opponent has left the game type thing. You know what I mean? I just Oh, yeah. Once, once that happens, it's just, ah, 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 make me throw the controller at the TV screen. But um, aside from that, Let's uh but let's let's how about move a on. new offer going out six minutes ago. Oh gosh, who we got? <laughs> uh Alexander T. A. Cunningham. Hmm. Alpharetta, Georgia. He's a class of 2024 recruit, so long way to go here. But 24-7 has him. Where do you think he's ranked in the country in 2024, Brent? Well, I'm looking him up real fast. So Aaron, take it away. I'd guess top 50. <laughs> It is 24, so who knows how many people are actually ranked for 24. It's 24, but this gentleman is 6'6", 265. He's a 15-, 16-year-old. He is ranked number seven in the country and the number one defensive lineman in America. Hey, man. If if they've gotten in, they've gotten in. Here we go. But, uh, you know, it's it's just awesome. And, and by the way, Maje was not offsides on that one sack that he did have. I'm, I'm just no, going to leave that there. He, did have a, he has a sack. Yes. We're giving him a sack. He has a sack. And and also, I'm also going to throw it out there that the final score should have been 56 to 14 because uh, back-to-back pass interference calls were, the, were, were probably the worst calls of the entire game or season that I've seen. Yeah. So um, The second one, worse than yeah. the first. Right, right. That ball was uh, – I mean, not even Alec Pierce could have caught that ball. But – Anyway, it's a 56-14 victory. Shaq couldn't have caught that ball. No, no. I, not even not even our dear friend Taco Fall could have gotten up there and gotten it, I don't think. But, not uh, my friend. Man, whew, I tell you what. But anyway, let's move on to basketball. Chad, I know you don't 
you probably cannot express it, but um, Indiana cancels the super secret. Uh, they play Detroit on Sunday. Maybe you could just give us a number one out of 10 if, if you've heard anything at all of, of how just what you, what your birdies have told you, how things went. Mm, I'll say it was probably uh, somewhere in a six and a half to seven range. Okay. Would be, would be where I would place it. Okay. So, so glimpses of greatness, but the overall picture still needs a little bit of work. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good if I were to project starting lineup today. Right. I'm feeling pretty good about that projection. Okay. Okay. The one uh, from last the one from last week. Mike Saunders, yep. David DeJulius, John Newman, Jeremiah Davenport, Abdul Ladu. Okay. That would that would uh, that was what I said last week. I feel pretty good going forward that that continues to be the case, uh, although I was talking to some people over the past week, and this was expressed at the Bearcats Air event, and uh, in the times that I've been in practice, it is something that I also have uh, seen glimpses of. Okay. Victor Locken is, like, putting himself in position where he going to play. Ooh. And, and not, like, play a little bit. Like mm-hmm. 12, 15, 17 minutes a game. Like Vic's going to play. And then okay. I was asked, like, you know, did anybody see this coming? And first I was like, well, I wasn't allowed to practice last year. So no, I didn't see it coming. <laughs> uh, but two was like, well, he didn't practice last year. Right. So kind of nobody saw this, you know, really coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in reality, like everything is pretty like, like rosy for the fact that, you know, Vic is, uh, Vic is turning some heads. And, and you know, uh, there was a, uh, on, um, the, the, since he's slang and podcast, they, they did interview, um, McGinnis and McGinnis just mentioned, no, I, 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 it's noteworthy to say that McGinnis mentioned that uh, Victor Locken is doing things that he has not seen on the basketball court. He has moments that just completely wow him. Yeah. I mean, like the kid, we didn't like, I I know, like I had talked to several people when, when Vic was being recruited and they were like, this kid's really good, like really good. Like four star level good. Right. And you know, you just didn't because he, he was hurt, you you never got really a chance to get even like, you know, sometimes you know, when guys are playing, they're still practicing and you're still getting some word about how they look and what's going on. And with Vic, that never happened because he never got fully cleared for practice. And then, you know, he had a setback with the knee um early in the winter and that kind of slowed things there like in the spring maybe and that slowed things down again and it was just kind of like like there was almost a point that it was like this kid might not like ever get to play here just because 
of the injury history and, and things mounting for him and he's overcome it. And he's, he's shocking some people okay. to the point that I, I truly think like he's going to be a regular in this rotation. I, I don't know exactly where I, I think right. they're going to try to find out if they can play him at the four. Right. Yeah, that was going to be my next You talk play. about size, like if yeah. he can guard, if he can guard, but. But even so, if you becomes, have, have a doe or Koval back there to, to be kind of that, that scapegoat yeah, to but reject it becomes, at the rim if needed. It becomes really hard if like you get somebody small that's right. going to like stretch him out. That's going to, you know. Yeah. Uh, make things difficult in space on him. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see, like, if he's able to do that. If he's able to do that, he's able to play offensively uh, and give this team somebody a seven-footer at the four. They can – another one, you know, like, you got Vic and Cobol in the game at the same time. Right. Two seven-footers that can move and block shots and shoot. <laughs> and all of a sudden, like, things are a little different. You know, mm-hmm. I, the, the biggest thing I think is, is going to be the question for this team. You know, I, I think you, you've got Saunders and, and probably Micah Adams Woods as like your, your two point guards. Right. Um, I think David DeJulius has proven he's probably a little more comfortable off the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can, you can play him some at the one if need be, but I think his more natural position is off the ball. We kind of knew that coming in from his time at Michigan. Um, but it's just kind of like, it's, it's manifesting itself that he's more of a scorer than distributor. Uh, because I think when he distributes, he's, he's not comfortable. Yeah. In terms of his scoring takes too much of a hit when he's trying to be a facilitator and he's a scorer and this team's going to need scoring, Mm -hmm. you know? So you've got DeJulius, you've got Newman, um, R Mason Madsen and, AJ McGinnis McGinnis and maybe Jared Hensley and potentially Jeremiah Davenport. If you can play him, like, are you going to have enough depth at the wing Mm -hmm. really to like push pressure and, and press teams? Or if you don't, because of the makeup of this roster, are you going to have to grind it out a little bit? You know, are you going to have to, to put teams in the meat grinder and, you know, Mick Cronin it up. I know people are, are aren't going to be happy with hearing that, but you know what Mick Cronin did a lot of win winning and the old, you know, the old rock fights, eh? Yeah. I mean, this thing is a work in progress. That question on the wing is going to be a lot less prominent, you know, when Daniel Skillings and Josh Reed enter the equation. Um, so it's going to be a, a long-term thing, but right now, like, I mean, that's kind of, unexpectedly the strength right yeah if victor Locken really is a revelation <laughs> and you've got davenport hensley odie victor koval adu six of your 12 guys are six eight or six seven six eight or bigger yeah now this forgive me big team yeah. Forgive me if you guys already brought this up. There's apparently a fire of some sort happening out in the alleyway. In Are you okay? I'm fine. Is I there a good. fire in your apartment? No, not in my apartment. It's it's across the street, so I think we're good. But <laughs> okay, um, okay. Victor Lockin was is the 23rd ranked recruit in basketball history. Like, 
He's number 23 yeah. of all time. Best, and I, of course, they've only been keeping track of this since, you know, not super long ago, but long enough that he's number 23. I would never have guessed that he was number 23 all time in Cincinnati. The people that scouted him in Europe loved him. Loved him. Mm-hmm. We just like that's what we talked about, Aaron, when you were you, you, we, you didn't want to have sirens uh, blasting through the podcast, which just I trying to be considerate. I, we appreciate that. Appreciate that. Um, that's kind of what we talked about is like, there was a lot of hype around him in European basketball circles. He played for Cheska and Cheska is the number one, like basketball powerhouse in Russia. This kid's been with them since he was like 10, 12 years old. So like he had some hype, but, but with the, with the knee injury, we didn't see him practice. We didn't see him work out. We didn't see anything. Not right. that I would have seen it anyway. We didn't see anything from him to get any information on him last year. Now that he's practicing and he's participating, the 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 feedback coming in is this kid can play. Well, and I just right. wonder how much the fan base is turned off by tall white dudes since Chris vote. <laughs> you know, I, I think that's a fair thing that that is kind of out there. With, the, the basketball fans so and and you know it's it is, not fair it's not fair no uh and it no, but no, no it no. is kind I'm of funny but i'm saying it's fair to say that the fans feel that way i'm not saying they should feel that way but i think that's a fair assessment on the fans okay but it's not fair for them to feel that way agreed we had we had one rough white seven footer so all white seven footers are now out it, I'm not. I'm not here for the, the tall white dude slander. I'm just saying. I think look, that that's if you want to bring what if you want to bring to this podcast, this is what the fans think. Then you're going to have to answer for what the fans think. That's fine. I'm not saying I feel. I don't feel that way. I'm here for Victor Lock, and I I would love to see the dude go. But I think there are, are lots of people who when vote. I'm, door, I'm expecting when the season starts, we're going to see Victor Lock in 12, 15 plus minutes a game. Can like we start it. calling him Victor Locked In if he actually does Ooh. perform well, though? Ooh, I think you started something. There we go. I would, I would like to see a Victor Locked In like it's, disappearance. Well, if he scores twenty, you can call him Victor Locked In. That's well, I mean, well, the funny thing is, funniest thing is with those whole like you know player uh, introductions and things of that. His, his he said his nickname was Victor. <laughs> that is his nickname is just Victor. So um, I guess we can change maybe Victor locked in could, could be something that we could approach him with. And who knows if he will accept it or not, maybe he'll do a little him, stance like if, or he, if he has big games, can we call him Victor? E? Victor. E. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Took a little bit to get it going. I was, yeah, yeah sure. Sure. But they have to win the game in order for it to be good. Well, of course. You right. can't call him Victor E if they lose. Right, exactly. No shit, but, Sherlock. But <laughs> can 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 we can we also agree that the, the last like 15 minutes has been probably the the best content that Bearcat Jerry has heard ever since the BBP has come out? All this Victor Lock and talk. Jerry, put yeah. the put the Kleenex away, Jerry. <laughs> You're welcome, I- Jerry. 
you I'll are blame welcome. it largely on the fact that I had to mute myself to make sure that the <laughs> sirens weren't coming. You through. are You're welcome. You are uh, very welcome, Jerry. But um, just just wrapping up basketball. Another thing about David DeJulius, Chad, as you mentioned, back at Michigan, when he was at his best was when you know Xavier Simpson was on the court with him as well, where the, these pass first point guards were were on the court with him, distributing the ball and finding him in scoring position. So yeah, that that's going to be awesome to see how he is off the ball this upcoming season. Aaron, I think that's his best, his most natural. That's his most natural right. spot. So yeah. uh, it'll be good to see him there. All right. Well, it's been an hour and a half thus far on the podcast. We're going to rapid fire through this mailbag as quickly as we can. Fairly certain there are no movie questions. So that should help out a little bit anyway. But here we go. Um, Josh and Des don't seem to be on the same page right now. Wiley, any thoughts on Josh's recent struggles? I, I think it's just defensive scheming for him. And as different things change and as defense is not the scheme for other players that we we've already mentioned, I think Josh will be open more. Um, and I think they've got a connection, but yes, he was out pretty much all of camp higher ground. And I, mean, I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but I just think it's yes, more just absolutely deep. right. But I think it's also defenses scheming to take him away as well. So um, it's him both. being out there in camp power ground as well. Yeah. It can be both like, right. You know, part of that is like, what did we walk out of camp higher ground saying, man, Des is really in a groove with Lenny with Lenny. Yeah. Right. Right. And Al and, and Alec too. Right. Because he was throwing to those guys every day. Right. So, you know, it is fair to, to be both like it, it absolutely can be a situation where both things are true. Mm-hmm. So that's that, you know, that's where I'm at on that. Okay. All right. Uh, what other losses or chaos do the three of you need to see to have 100% confidence for UC to make the CFP, assuming UC continues to do their part? I will take this one. It's I here, am Dan. writing a weekly column for Bearcat Journal right now. Two weekly column. columns. Two. Well, well, this one is specifically Cincinnati's path to the playoff week. It's kind of a two-parter where on Fridays, I'm going to break down what games we should be keeping an eye on going into the weekend and what kind of because they're going to have the most implication on Cincinnati's path to the college football playoff. And then on Mondays, I'll be submitting my article uh, kind of where we break down those games and the, uh, the implications that those outcomes did have on the, uh, the Cincinnati's push to the college football playoff. So I think that should give you a much deeper dive than any quick opinion question that we could give here. Well, I think the easy answer would be Alabama losing in the SEC championship game. Or at any point in time before that. Right. Correct. Exactly. All right. Uh, how did Jerome Ford end up at Cincinnati prior player coach connections, or did we go after him once he hit the portal? Great player coach connection with Gino Gadulli. Gino Gadulli. Uh, Gino had built a relationship with him that Cincinnati was in a great spot until he got an Alabama offer, which, <laughs> of course, Shocker, but that's how that changes, changes everything, you know, uh, uh, if you're a high school prospect and you're going through the recruiting process and then at the end of the recruiting process, uh, Alabama says, uh, Hey, we think you should come play for us. Uh, most of the time the kid agrees, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's kind of how things go in, in the hierarchy of college football. Hello, son. It's Nick Saban. Right. Like, 
yes, sir. <laughs> that was a way better impression. Well done. You've redeemed yourself, Brent. <laughs> but Chad, wasn't it down to the Bearcats in South Florida for most of the recruitment? And then Yeah, I mean he's a Florida kid and, and UC and USF were were kind of the two places that had prioritized him. And then Nick Saban jumped in and you know, Nick Saban's like EF Hutton. When when yep. he talks, you listen. Is that that that's an old that's an that's a reference for the olds, right? Over my head. Yeah. Um, so that yeah, but and but when as soon as he hit the transfer portal, he called Gino because he had built a, a great relationship with Gino. We talked to Jerome about this in the past. That like he really didn't care what was going on at Cincinnati, like where they were, like how good they were. He had just had such a great relationship with Gino that when he was going to transfer, that's the person he called. Uh, and uh, things have worked out serendipitously <laughs> for Jerome Ford since coming to Cincinnati. Because, boy, there's nobody I feel more confident when they find an open running lane to turn that shit to a touchdown and, and go watch the clock when he runs those 80-yard touchdowns. It's like seven seconds. Like, it's, yeah. it's fast, fast. Well, I just want to commend you on that excellent word choice. Of what? Serendipitously. Uh-huh. Uh, well, and it, it also didn't hurt that Michael Warren entered his name into the draft, I think, probably on top it, of it. Like, well, that was already, like, it was already kind of in motion. But, yeah, there was going to be an opportunity to, uh, to get on the field. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Uh, do you know if they plan on showing the game this Saturday and – uh, remaining away games on the big screen down at the banks. I know that they plan on showing the game on as many TVs, TVs as possible downtown at the Holy Grail, Ooh. where we host Bearcat Journal watch parties. Well played with Tony Pike. Like, what would you rather do? Would you rather go sit at the big screen at Fountain Square or? Would you rather come to the Holy Grail and watch the game with Tony Pike? Well, they said the big screen at the banks, like right outside the Holy Grail. So if you're at the Holy Grail, you can get the five-second quicker play as opposed to the it people on like the inside. 10. It was faster. It was, it was more than five. It was like 10. It was, it was, it, it was impressive. It was on the big like screen. Like plays at, over. It was on the big screen at the Red Stadium for the Notre yeah. Dame game. I would assume that that will be similar. So well, what you can do, it's still going to be pretty, I think it's still supposed to be pretty nice on Saturday, like high fifties, low sixties, somewhere in there. Yeah. You sit outside at the Holy grail and you watch the big screen across the street at great American ballpark. And then you're 10 seconds ahead of everybody that's sitting inside at the Holy grail. So then you celebrate, and then you can turn your attention inside and watch everybody else celebrate when they saw what you just saw. All right. Rank the top three most annoying fan bases, and why is UCF number one on the list? I will disagree. I don't think UCF Ohio is Ohio State is always number one. Ohio State is number one. I'll put Kentucky at number two, and I'll put Xavier at number three, and UCF doesn't even make my top five. Notre Dame was up there for a while this year. Well, 
that's i mean you we don't have to deal with them often right uh central florida will get there like now that we're going to the big 12 together they will get there the reason the reason that their fan base is more annoying than most is because their fan base is the twitter fan base like they don't they don't have a dominant like 24 7 their rival site is pretty good but they don't have a dominant team site that they've like latched onto. the ucf fan base lives on twitter and because of that, it increases the Twitter interactions because they search. Mm-hmm. You, you know the best way that we've avoided the UCF fan base? Having boards on 24-7? Or saying Central Florida. Central Florida. They search UCF. If you call them the Central Florida <laughs> Golden Knights, they don't know you're talking about them. <laughs> That's that it's pride. Fantastic. It's fantastic. <laughs> Which which Chad, that's you Dave's, that's Dave's finest work. That's a Dave deal. I, I just adopted it from Dave. If you put UCF Knights, they will find you. you All would, of them. You would be proud to know that the at the Mio's pregame show, we also referenced to them as the Central Florida Golden Knights. Those in attendance gave us some looks. <laughs> the but UCF they're, they're, fans weren't happy with that. No, they, they didn't not. like that. They didn't like it. Twitter's always led by Fear of the Pegasus, too. Once Fear of the Pegasus gets a hold of it, it's just curtains. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Next question. Lots of comments. Can we talk uh, about the fact that they stole Charge On? From? USC. That's USC's thing. Charge On. Trojans. Like, that is University of Southern California. Charge On. Just, and UCF was like, oh, we're just going to take that shit and use it for ourselves. I mean, they did the same thing with the 2017 national championship. So. <laughs> well played, it. sir. Keep it moving. Well played. All right. Recruiting has clearly exploded recently. What do you think was the biggest catalyst? Number three ranking, now number two, uh, beating Notre Dame or Big 12 confirmed? Yes. Quick, quick, quick answers. Yeah, all three, but quick it's answers. Perfect to pick one. Perfect that's storm. The big of, one, though. The Big 12 is the biggest. Yeah, far. Big 12. Yeah. I think that's m- probably the most feedback I'm getting from kids, more so than well, anything else. I think it just opens doors. Well, it's not that it opens doors, it's that it keeps doors from being shut. Well, yeah. Because right. that's what happens. That's what had happened is they would get involved, and then the schools that were recruiting against UC would just be like, oh, you're going to go play in the American? Right. What the fuck you want to do that for? Mm-hmm. And that would that would provide a barrier that was very hard to overcome. Some kids saw through it. Some kids were caught up in the spotlight. Now that you're in the Big Twelve, you you have eliminated that, and and that by far is the biggest. I mean, if you're recruiting white kids from Catholic schools across America, like the Notre Dame win was huge. Um, <laughs> and and the ranking thing, like yes, it's always great to be ranked. Like that that helps in recruiting no matter what. But eliminating AAC from your your title is uh is massive. And oh boy, that move today by the way, the oh boy. We're, we're gonna go from oh, mediocre boy. to just bottom of the barrel. As soon as I was I was mad I didn't beat you to the uh, buzz your girlfriend. Woof. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> Man. All right. Um, do you guys think that relegation would be a good or bad idea for college football? Personally, I think it would be fun to see and would love to see it. It would bring a new level of excitement to a Rutgers, Illinois game or a Vandy, South Carolina game. 
Personally, while I think it would be fantastic for the sport, there's too much money involved. It'll never happen. Right. Like, it's never going to happen. But, boy, right. it would be so fun to see, like, like Vandy, Kentucky. Shitty Texas. Years. Shitty yeah. Texas is being mad. Like, how did we get here? We've spent more money on everything than anybody. How did we're we get the, here? We're in the fucking SWAT next year. Hey, God hey. damn it. <laughs> I, does, do, do any sports do that at the collegiate level? Do Not, some Olympic no, sports no. do it? No, it's it's a Europe soccer thing. Right. I, I think no, that's I it. That's it. Like, well, because you have contracts with the conferences in America. Right. Like, that's, oh, yeah. I wonder so if it's because I thought like lacrosse or someone had some sort of a. No. Not maybe, to my knowledge. Maybe it's like a they take a look at it after a certain moment or something like that. But yeah. All right. What's the worst way to lose? Throwing a shoe or trying to scramble to the end zone from the twenty yard line on the last play of the game? Piggybacking <laughs> off this question, what does more damage? Throwing a shoe or a mustard container? Is the mustard container full? What kind of shoe? I'd venture I'm, to say uh, a golf ball does more yeah, damage. Yeah, I was going to say a golf ball. $250,000 worth of damage if we're, if we're being accurate. Well, the here. mustard bottle was part of the $250,000 damage as well. I'm saying a mustard, a full mustard bottle, like a, a full, like, 16-ounce like, bottle of French's is, um, is probably more damaging than a golf ball if it's being thrown. It well, depend. I mean, like, the cap what, would have to hit you. Yeah. Well, the bottom corner of a month. The like, bottom you know. corner, sure. But if like the middle of it hits you, it'd be like, oh, whatever. But a golf yeah. ball, but a golf ball coming down, that that thing nails you. You're ooh. A wooden heel dress shoe, though, like one of the ones that click clack on True. tile, like a men's dress shoe, like that, that's gonna leave a gash. Tennessee, a steel toed, a yeah, steel toed Tennessee's boot. probably got a couple steel toes or cowboy boots. So that'll that'd probably hurt. Also, the hell is someone doing in a in a stadium with a golf ball in their pocket? I mean, for that exact are, reason, like golfers, right there, yeah. man. Golfers are serious, man. They've always just in case they got a golf ball in their pocket. I always randomly a- have like a tee in some of my pants too, so and I don't really even golf that much. I can't relate to any of this. All right, uh, sorry I'm late. I was finalizing ways to kill Brent or Aaron. If Cincinnati does qualify for the playoff, will the BBP? Oh, uh, by the way, on that last question, just totally interrupted myself. Um, worst way to, to lose a game was the uh, the kneel that was su- that was supposed to be a spiked ball that was a, a kneel this weekend. That was horrendous. Ran the clock what game? Down. I didn't see it. I don't recall who was playing. Uh, I'll send you the link, uh, but and I'll put it That's in the comments. Awesome. I'll the put it in the comments. Just, the quarterback just had a brain fart and kneeled. Yeah, he was supposed to spike. spike the ball. There was like five seconds left in the game, and he kneeled instead of spiking. <laughs> game over. No timeouts left. Shit the bed. Totally shit Wait. the bed. You got to oh, turn man. off Twitter after that, man. <laughs> yeah, you got. Yeah, you got. De- no, you got to deactivate. Yeah, all social media. Don't. You, yeah, you, you don't save anywhere. No, delete it from your phone. Whew. Maybe change right. your name, for, phone number. Forever, forever. Yeah. So if Cincinnati does qualify for the playoff, will BVP have a live podcast on location? Follow yes. Question: What was your favorite cartoon as a kid, and why was it Gargoyles? Animaniacs. I was a big Darkwing Duck guy, but Gargoyles was also really good. That's uh, that's after my time. Yeah, Rocket I was a power. big. I was a big Pinky and the Brain guy. So Animaniacs was where Pinky and the Brain was hosted. Are you, Aaron? Are you familiar with Pinky and the Brain? I was going to say, does that make me Pinky <laughs> to your brain? Yes. Enough. We're trying to take over the world. <laughs> <laughs> 
What are they going to do to thy pinky? Brain, uh, we're trying to take over the world. Like that, that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to but take are, over the world. We are all going to the college football playoff. Well, uh, it, like right? the semifinals might be tough, depending on. I mean, I'm going to go probably Miami, as long as, probably. as long as I'm allowed. Like right. you know, as long as Kelly's in good health and we can go, I would. I went to the Orange Bowl. I'm sure I would find my way back to Miami for the semifinals, mainly because if they make the championship. We're just staying at your house. Bring them on in, baby. You know that, right, Aaron? Light it on fire. The championship's mm-hmm. in Indy. I mean, my sister lives there. I don't have to stay on Brent's couch cuddling with you guys. It, like, I uh, want to cuddle with you, Aaron. I'm, I'm just picturing that movie with, like, Dak Shepard and, uh, oh, um, the, the I can't remember oh, his name. We're going to get a whole box of Titus Donuts. Ooh, 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 ooh. Uh, have to have to mention this food wise. We'll, we'll do a, a small food break here for a second. Um, there's a donut place in Independence. It's called Paradise Donuts. It's right by my house. Uh, we haven't done it much, and usually when I go there, it's late because I I don't wake up at the ass crack of dawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I the, I got there early enough on Saturday to get kind of the full feel for their donut selection. Oh man, if you're out this way. And they donuts. do they do business the right way for a donut place. They make all the donuts, and then they say, "When this shit's gone, we're closed." Right. right. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. We we made the donuts. Here is the full <laughs> case full of donuts. And when we sell out of this shit, we're going we'll home. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> so uh, if they close quick, it's a good thing. Yeah. And like you got to get there pretty early to get like uh, you know I've been there a couple times where it's been like. You know, here are the 15 donuts remaining in the county. Right. <laughs> but I got there early enough this week that there was that they had uh, they had apple pie donuts, they had pumpkin pie donuts, they had a blueberry cheesecake donut. Ooh, yeah, they they had a donut with fruity pebbles on the top. Uh-huh. I was really mad. Kelsey had two friends over. They um, ate the one that you wanted. I want. I really wanted that fruity pebbles. Donut. And one like of them it was snagged it. yeah she was like fruity pebbles i want the fruity pebbles one and i was like you bitch <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's how it is in the office when someone brings in donuts like at first a little cautious but now if i see what i want i'm just snagging that right go away in. there's there's no titus have you told him to go to titus and get you a peanut butter fluff well i sent you that picture someone yeah. brought in titus donuts one time yeah you gotta go full shark mode in the office man right exactly uh, the movie these I was were referencing. Year, these were eleven-year-old girls. Like I, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't you, be the asshole. You could have done like the Cincinnati Bearcat stiff arm. On I'm the, paying on the one. I went ahead for the fruity pebble. They they had an Oreos cookies and cream donut that I had instead. That was that was, but they had like it's it's like gourmet, like they're basically donut cupcakes. Like they should be cupcakes, but they're donuts. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I was like, what's that? She's like, that's a blueberry cheesecake. And I was like, well, that sounds fucking delightful. (laughs) (laughs) The movie I was referencing, The Three Dudes Cuddling is Without a Paddle. It was Matthew Lillard, Seth Green, and Dax Shepard. Okay, very good. Good movie. Really good movie. So can we do that? No, No, I'm all the way out. I'm not sleeping with you like that. Maybe. All right. uh, I'll put that in the maybe box. (laughs) Who's your least favorite college football coach? I don't know why, but everybody seems to pick Dabo. Dabo. 
He's disingenuous. Fuck that guy. Like, are we going? Are we going now? Or are we going all time? Because I, I think Urban Meyer is still my number one least favorite football coach. Yeah, I mean, he's right there with Dabo. Like those two guys, I just don't like those two guys. Yeah, they're not likable people. They're so full of shit. Like it's such an act. It's so contrived and like, I don't buy it. Nobody believes what you're fucking telling people. Like those two guys are at the top of the list. Like they are the anti-Saban. Saban, you know, like Saban is is no bullshit. Like Andy does these, these nuts jokes. Right. Like Nick Saban is like the pinnacle of of college football coaching dabo ugh, ugh. is orgeron quickly is orgeron quickly entering that that airspace no that guy that guy's that guy's for real uh like here's the problem kojo like what he says is what he means it's just <laughs> that what he means fucking sucks so like you know like i ain't got a problem with kojo because kojo just is an asshole and he like he owns it he ain't trying to hide from it Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Maybe, well, maybe no. Dana Holgerson's comb over is up there too. Yeah, but Dana's the same way. Like Dana's like, look, I drink and I gamble. No, and like, I, I, I like Dana. I'm it. just saying his comb over. Yeah. Not, not for me. I just don't like, I don't like phonies. And I Dabos comes off as a phony to me. All right. Uh, with Ford likely gone after the year and stories about Kiner burning bridges during recruitment, how was Mayan Williams' relationship with UC current staff during the recruiting process? He was a no-show to OSU game last week. Reports of him in the doghouse could be a nice reload option for next year. I wouldn't say Kiner's ruled out by any stretch of the imagination. Like, who knows? UC had a relationship with him. They made a push late. They tried to get back in, like, at the very end. So, clearly, they were comfortable with, with Corey Kiner. Uh, and mean, there's the obviously that, something going on down in LSU and in Dubai. not much going on up there at OSU. So, well, I mean, if Mayan Williams really didn't go to the game on Saturday, then something's going on. Right. But I'm just saying it's, it's like, I mean, in terms of the transfer portal, the thing right now is I know everybody wants to ask transfer portal questions, but until a kid actually puts his name in the transfer portal, who knows? Who knows? Sure. Like, I, I, what UC is not allowed to contact him. The kid's not allowed to contact UC. Like, how am I supposed to know what's supposed to happen before it happens? Like, I will tell you one thing. I don't think Spencer Rattler would ever be an option to come here. Uh, I mean, I'll never say never, but right, I, never say I, never. I, but man, I like the, the way the character did. Thing is built. Here's well, here's here's the difference. Here's the the great difference in that, Aaron. One of Luke Fickle's big things is if you're going to get a transfer. It has to be somebody you've got a connection that, that, that somebody in the program, somebody has a connection to. Like we talked about Jerome Ford. The reason that that Jerome Ford pickup was relatively easy is because Gino Gadulli had a great connection to the kid, right? So if there's a great connection to Spencer Rattler somewhere in the program, I don't know about it. There might be, but you're not getting... Um, they're not going away from what has worked. And what has worked is if we know the kid, we have a relationship with the kid, if we know what the kid's about and we're comfortable with it, then he enters the transfer portal, then we'll throw our name in the ring. That Like Juwan Briggs. They had a relationship with Juwan Mm -hmm. Briggs dating back to high school. He was local. They recruited him. They were comfortable with it. They added him. 
Corey Kiner and Mayan Williams fit that that mold. So, like, if they enter the transfer portal, they would be clear names to keep an eye on. Uh, but until they do, I'm not going to be able to answer, like, is there yeah. something going on? Because, no, there's not. One, right. Once they enter the transfer portal, if they enter the transfer portal, then, you know, maybe there's some smoke. But until then, it's a lot of internet speculation because the LSU coach got fired or resigned, however you want to, you know, manifest that. Or, like, I can't confirm or deny, like, I don't know about the Mayan Williams situation. I I haven't had time to check the Ohio State boards and see if he really didn't show for the game on Saturday. If he didn't, like, that would be a pretty big indication that he's probably going to be looking for a new home. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know on either of those kids, like, specifically. I know that they fit, they do fit the criteria of what Cincinnati has looked for in the transfer portal. Well, piggybacking off of that, why would you want to bring someone in if you have three good running backs right behind Ford with Miles waiting in the wings? And Stephen Bird. That was the next question in the back. Here's the thing about next year that's going to be really, really interesting is there's going to be a lot of turnover. A lot of turnover. Changes. So if you feel you can get a game breaker at any of the necessary positions, and let's face it, defensive line, linebacker, secondary, everywhere but offensive line, basically, is going to be in play. And if you're going to get this, like, you know, seven free guys, as long as you've got seven transfers, like, it's going to be a wild transfer portal for Cincinnati, all things considered, because there's going to be a lot of holes to fill. And I know you're going to be pretty confident about a lot of the guys coming up, but the name of the game is adding as much talent as humanly possible to your roster Mm -hmm. to win at the highest level possible. And they're going to have an opportunity to do just that. Like I, like I know we talked about because of that change, they might like go to 25 in terms of their high school recruits. What if they stop it? Like, what if you've got seven free transfers to use and you stop at 22 high school recruits and now you've got 10 transfers to add? You talk about remaking the top of this roster in fast order. Like it could be very interesting. Like this off season could be a lot of fun as we get there. How much more interest do you have in this program now that wasn't there a year ago? Right? Everybody's going to listen when Cincinnati calls right now. It's crazy. Everybody. If an elite player enters the transfer portal and Cincinnati calls, they are picking up the fucking phone. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed. Crazy. Guaranteed. All right. Does anyone know if Dave has ever bought mustard or any other condiments into a brought? I'm sorry, brought <laughs> mustard or any other condiments into a Tennessee game? Also, what's the best overall condiment? I'm going ranch. I think it goes with the most things. Hot sauce was a close second. I you would know, go hot sauce, ketchup second. I like ketchup. I'm a ketchup guy. You know, I after traveling abroad a lot, I want to say mayonnaise, but I'm with Aaron. Ranch. So dynamic. It's because we're Midwest can, people. Can, can go. Can You can dip your pizza into it, and you can put it on a salad, and you can fries. 
anything, literally anything. I, it's it's, it's got to be the Runny Ranch. It's got to be the Runny Ranch you get from the pizza places, though. It can't be can't be Hidden Valley. I'm no. just ranch on salad and chicken wings. I hate blue cheese. I don't like blue cheese. Certain blue uh, cheeses are okay, but but I'm with you. Ranch over blue cheese, hundred percent. All right, so far, who's increased? Hot sauce, ketchup, ranch, my one, two, three. And then mayonnaise and mustard for me, the problem is they're dependent on what I'm eating. Turkey sandwich, mayo. Right. Ham sandwich, mustard. All right. Roast beef, mayo. We're at the two-hour mark, and we we still have about a half a mailbag left. Just just rapid fire. So who far? I mean. So who far? So far, who has increased their draft stock the most this season and who has hurt their draft stock the most? Personally, I think Sauce, while Wiley and Dez have hurt their stock. I mean, I'm not saying personally that Sauce, was- I know. How much can Sauce and Dries increase his draft? Like, I get it. He could go from like mid second round to like top 10, which is probably bigger than going from like fourth round to second uh, in terms of, of, of money. But I, I mean, Pierce and Ford have to be one and two, I would think. Beavers not far behind. Cook not far behind. Yeah, I say Ford. I, I think that you're right. Ford, spot on. Ford probably went from like sixth and seventh round to undrafted all the way up to. I mean, people are saying second, fourth, third, fourth. Third. Yeah, he's not. I don't yeah. think he's going in the second running. No, just no. So, right. but he's gonna if his numbers are like like if he tests. Yeah, running a forty the way he runs yeah. seventy nine yards, <laughs> like if the guy like if he runs a four three eight or something, I mean well, at, at that size and that power and that speed, mm-hmm. he's gonna get he's gonna be a, a, a at least late second early third right day pick. Well, Pierce, we were talking about is he even a draft pick at the beginning of the season? Now he's I was right. I mean, we were talking like we had him on there, but yeah. And now he's being talked about by Mel Kuyper as a third round pick, potentially third or fourth round steal. Um, Also, Lenny wasn't being talked about at all, really, as being a a draft pick. Now, Lenny's Lenny's another one. Yeah. Entering the conversation. So and I think Dez has shown he could throw the deep ball. So I don't think his stock. I don't think he's dropped. No, I think people just look at the counting stats. Stats. Yeah. The problem is, again. This offense can beat you so many ways that, like, they don't have to go out and throw for 350 yards a game. And tell They're me a scout what you give them. Tell me a scout would would not like. He's not going to hate that. Okay, Desmond Ritter realized that the best game plan to dominate UCF was running the football. And then in the post game press conference, he is still happy that they won. Still pumping up his running backs, pumping up his this, team. This I mean, is what would have hurt Des Ritter if South Florida had. Or Central Florida had five guys in the box, and Des decided he was going to throw forty times a game. Audible, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like that's what hurts Des Ritter. Like that's decision making. Mm-hmm. Like that is part. It's like everybody's down on Josh Wiley because he hasn't had like huge counting stats. stats. He's blocking. He's making plays in special teams. He's doing everything you want a teammate to do in the NFL. And it, it, like he's showing he can make plays in coverage on special teams. Like he can do a million different things. 
And he's still he's six, great, six, six, seven, two, right. 60 <laughs> with athleticism. So right. just because you're frustrated that he's not having like 75 yards a game receiving doesn't mean that it changes his stock and what the NFL thinks of him. I, th- I heard Des compared to Dak Prescott either yesterday or today. And I don't think I, that's wrong. I mean, no, I, I've, I'm more I've seen a lot of Dak, of Dak too. Dak was really mobile early. Before the injuries, correct. Yeah. Um, and Wiley's being compared to Travis Kelsey, which I don't know if I love that comparison. Um, they're a little bit different builds. Travis Kelsey's is a lot, not a lot wider. Six, but, six, 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 seven, lean and like long. Yeah. I can see Travis and Lenny getting that. That, that would make more sense Lenny's, to me. Lenny now. Yeah. Yeah. Lenny now. Lenny yeah. looked like an offensive lineman last year. <laughs> right. No. He's a biscuit now. short of tackle. So as we're comparing people, the next question is what NFL running back past or present does Jerome Ford remind you of, especially his lateral movement and comparisons. I hate it. I hate it. I hate right. it. I hate it. I hate it. But there is right. one. And it's Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon? Le'Veon. Le'Veon Bell. I agree. And I also like the Ladanian Tomlinson um, comparison. He's not that bad. Throughout there too. He, he kind of like, but he, the, he's not like Le'Veon where he just, he makes like five cuts in the backfield and then goes. He he does make one or two and then goes. He waits and then goes. He's like Bell that he waits. Yeah, to see like like a a, a running a different running back would not have had that seventy nine yard touchdown run because they would have tried to punch it through the hole. Well, what about got tackled before the guard fit and and made the block? What about MJD? Maybe, maybe. Murray I Stone's think he's. For, I think he's Maurice, more scat backish, but but yes, I I do kind of see that actually. Maurice Jones drew for the uh, for the young people. <laughs> I think MJD was shorter, right? He was yeah, a bowling he was, ball. He was a little scat back. Yeah. But, um, I I like Le'Veon Bell. Um, with Danny and Tomlinson, I don't think he's that. I don't think Ford is that. Like MJD was twitchy. five seven. Yeah, that like he was little. Ford's what, 5'11"? Yeah. Looking for the next question. Uh, I got it here. Is it the – what do you think UC ceiling is after the move to the Big 12 occurs? Perennial top 20 team, top 15. Secondly, on a more fun side, what would be your pro wrestling MMA walkout music? I already have walkout music. (laughs) So that's not fair. Because it would be it would be my walkout music that I use for radio, my radio international international players anthem, yeah, oh. international players anthem, Outcast and and UGK like that's as good as it gets for me. That's the pinnacle of music. <laughs> uh, so it would be that. Yeah, I don't know what I would go with. I feel like damn it feels good to be a gangster would be funny. <laughs> I use that. Uh, that used to be my outro music in radio and a different radio life. So the, the last song we played in every hour was damn, it feels good to be a gangster. Mine, mine would be, I'd, I'd go the uh, Tyson Fury route and, and kind of a lot of these weddings that I go to, a lot of people like to mention the weddings that I go to a lot you of know. the times they, they call me up you go on to stage. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> they call me up on stage and they have me sing shaggy angel because they do a good shaggy voice. So I, I think it'd be shaggy angel and I would get a mic and I would be walking out singing shaggy and maybe have shaggy with me as well. So 
Yeah. Wah, wah. That was pretty good, yeah. <laughs> All what right. was the first uh, part of that? I missed the first part of that. I just uh, heard the, the UC the, ceiling after they moved to the Big Twelve. I think the same top, as it is. Top fifteen, like that, where they're where they're constantly, consistently at. You know, in the Luke Fickle era, top fifteen, top twenty every year, and then in those special years, you make push. He's not kidding when he says that he wants to be recognized as a top ten program. Like that's his ultimate. Goal, no, he's not is, fucking around. Like that is to be the guy who's in control of a top ten program. So until that happens. No, no stone will be left unturned, and that's his ultimate goal. And we've yet to see you the all correct, it, sir. It, we've yet to see the yes. unlocking of of getting that Big Twelve money and what that will do for the program. So, all right, I just did uh, Ed McMahon. Did you catch that, Aaron? Was achievement that what you laughed at? I, I was laughing at that. Yes, yes, you're all <laughs> correct, sir. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, who's guaranteeing he's the best? Uh, who are they referring to? Um, I think that's. Kiner and all of that. Um, I don't even know. There were some people in there that were making fun about of everybody that. asking Kiner questions. They were doing some of that. Um, what was the mechanical change that Cole Smith made? Well, we talked about that a little bit, but uh, for I don't know yet. That, I'll find out. I'll see what I every, can find out. Everything that I'm hearing, it's him just getting his hips straight when he's releasing rather than hooking it. Um, bigger annoyance for Chad. Questions about movies in the mailbag. Eddie Grand's first played. First down play calling in the red zone or fickle being brought up in every coaching search article under the sun. You want fickle brought up in every coaching article under the sun. Like you, until Cincinnati establishes itself as a top 10 program, you want that because it means he's a top five coach in the sport or top 10 coach in the sport. Right. You want mm-hmm. that. Uh, Eddie Graham play calling on first down. He's doing that of- at a different place now. So that's good. No. Where is he at now? No, like wherever he's at, he's doing it at a different I place. I don't think he's anywhere right now. No, but I'm saying like, yeah, he's not doing it but here that, anymore. That, so. that was always frustrating. Uh, what was the other one? Movie questions. Yeah, I, I, I just I how many times do I have to tell you guys I don't watch movies. All right, there it is. When Cincinnati makes the playoff, who would be our ideal opponent? Oklahoma slash Big Ten champ slash Georgia. I mean, I I would want. Oklahoma, I think, with the Big 12 connection of, like, Cincinnati's going in, Oklahoma's going out. I think you could – it like, if you beat Oklahoma in the semis, you Ooh. tell the Big 12, we coming, right? Like, because Oklahoma has dominated the Big 12, right? Mm-hmm. If you go in and you slow down Oklahoma's offense and you score on Oklahoma's shitty defense and you beat Oklahoma, you tell the nation – we have planted our flag as the kings of the Big 12. We coming. At that point, so you don't, I think that would be ideal. You don't have a game after that where you're not waving the Big 12 flag, right? Like all next season, I think you Shit. wave the right. Big 12 flag the right. whole year. Because we own we the Big 12. Yeah, You've officially taken over. Right. I'm and, the captain now, right? Like, yes. I'm the captain now. Uh, I think, and then I think you we play all Georgia – and then you play Georgia for a championship and you run back to Peach Bowl in the national championship game. And then Cole Smith kicks the 53 yarder. <laughs> <at the Delaware. laughs> all right. Um, all of the Kiner questions. We've, we've talked enough about Kiner and all of that. So we are, we are moving on to the basketball mailbag. Here's, here's an idea. Here's an idea. Football questions in the mailbag on the football board, basketball questions in the mailbag on the basketball board. 
And if you're going to go off topic, it goes in the banks. So you're going to have to start a mailbag in the banks. That way we can separate. And, for those yeah. And that them. way we can do the banks last. And the people I that like get that. upset about us talking nonsense, we can do that last just for them. Bearcat band 72 or whoever it was. <laughs> and, and Eddie Grant's still at Kentucky, by the way. No, he's not. Yeah. Special. Liam special assistant. It. No, well, special assistant to the, the head coach. Coordinator. He's not right. the offensive coordinator. Special assistant to the head coach. Yeah. He's, I, I need yeah. a check. I needed a check this year. So, right. Stoops has given me one. Right. Thoughts on the men's basketball preseason rankings coming out lately? It seems they don't think highly of us. Sixth in the American, 122nd, Matt Norlander, 117th, Ken Palm, 88th, Bart Torvik. Also, the majority of the statistical rankings don't see us winning more than 18 games. I'm thinking more than 20. Projected record 18 and 12, 9 and 9 in conference. I think it's impossibly hard to, yeah, it's impossibly hard to predict a team. So, and I also think once you hit, once you pass that crust of like the top 25 to 35 teams, it's somewhat of a, you know. From there to like 100, 150 is like just a a jumble of like who has it come together and who doesn't. Right. This is year one. We don't know what this team's going to look like. We don't know, like we talked about earlier, like we don't know if they have even the the roster to do really what West Miller wants to do long term. Right. Length, speed, athleticism. There's six big guys. You know what's really hard to do when you have six big guys in your 12 man rotation? Press and and be long and athletic and like be in your face. Like right. So we don't know. And that's fair. Like I, I don't I, what have I told you guys about and I'm talking to the listeners when I say this, what have I told you guys about people that have had issues with like in the preseason where UC was projected or like, you know, the, the, their ranking or whatever the case may be. The issue I have is be fair. Right. And I think right now it's really hard to be fair with this UC basketball program because nobody's seen it. Nobody knows what it looks like. Nobody knows what it feels like. Like, so yeah, I get, I get it. I, I, I disagree. I'm, it feels good. I'm not saying it doesn't <laughs> feel good. I'm saying it's still very unknown. It's Fair still enough. very unknown. And when you're asking people to trust you on the unknown, that that puts you in that range of like 80 to 120. And I, I don't think that's wrong. I, I think it's they have to prove and earn the built-up respect that they're going to be better than that. I think they have a good chance to do it, but I don't think they're there yet. So piggybacking off that, based solely on expectations and not on anything tangible, if Wes uses a 10-man rotation, who do each of you think – I'm not. we're not doing each of you – but who do each of you think the three guys who have the most work to no do in the next couple of months to crack that? Nope. Nope. I, I got banks blank and blank is what it says here, but – Yes, I agree. Banks blank and blank. Hard, hard to say. Uh, Chad, does Hamilton have the ability to start at the two guard? This would allow Davenport to play the three and Odie the power forward. That's got to be Jerry because he doesn't know anybody's name. It is. I'm, yes, I'm guessing he's talking about Newman. Yeah, he's, Newman, he said he meant Newman. I'm guessing Newman. It starts at the three. Well, someone did. Yeah, I, I'm guessing Newman starts at the three because I think he's one of the two or three best players on this team. 
That's the mailbag. Best Kelly's light. upstairs. Carolyn Kelly's upstairs and ready to go to bed. So we gotta get the fuck out of here. Means we uh we made good timing. We wrapped up. There were no movie questions. So <laughs> make sure you pile on the movie questions next week. And we'll, we'll dive into those. But um hey, no. you all. <laughs> so much excitement around the football team. Basketball's right around the corner. This is this is the time to be a Bearcat fan, the time to be a part of the BCJ as well. So uh anything else, guys, before I wrap this nope. one up? No, no. Thank you, Brady, for that yes. surprise. Best Thank surprise you, ever. Thank you, Brady, as always. You you are the man, the myth, the legend, spectacular. This, human this was this was like when you know when a parent gets to really give their kid like a good surprise when you guys came into the, the room and Brady was here. And you got and, to see our expressions in real yeah, time. It, yeah, and you guys were like, Yay, daddy, yay, daddy. Brady. It was great. Yeah. Is Brady's second daddy. But anyway, <laughs> uh yet huh. again. Another fantastic BBP. Huge week ahead. Navy on Saturday. So much excitement around the program. Number two in the country. Number two in the country. Just let that sink in, guys. It, it doesn't happen very often for Can't anyone. Say it proud. Doesn't it happen actually very has happened often for anyone. Zero, zero times. Oh, I. but I meant anyone. Like, other right. places, too. Like I'm just saying happen. for this place, it has yeah. exa- happened exactly zero times before yesterday. Right. It's insane. It is insane. So... Yet again, another fantastic BBP for Chad Brendel, for Aaron Smith. My boys, Aaron, Chad, love you guys. This again was the BBP presented by BearcatJournal.com.